Tech growth is driving demand for more office space in the Seattle Bellevue area than in any other U.S. city. But how many people will actually work in those spaces? Here's KUOW's Joshua McNichols. I'm at a small gathering for a startup called CrowdCow at the CEO's house on Mercer Island. Some of these employees haven't seen each other for a long time. Talking about my new baby. Yeah. <laughs> Getting used to being out. Yeah. I know. It's a Putting on clothes, going to someone else's gathering. It's fun. It's nice. Yeah. CrowdCow is a tech company that delivers frozen chunks of gourmet meat by mail. So, of course, they're frying up some steaks. We've got the marketing team here. We have the site merchandising team here. We have the gifting team here. How does this feel right now to be seeing everybody for the first time in a while? amazing. Sorry, you can edit what you need to edit. The person you just heard is Elizabeth Liu, one of the company's directors. She says the company used to have an office near the Pike Place Market, but they let it go during the pandemic. Now they're talking about leasing office space again. But there are lots of questions swirling around. I do think there's a lot on the line. It is one of the biggest decisions that the leadership team is making. One question is how often should people be asked to come into the office? This will determine how much space they should lease. Employees like Elliot Newsom and Audrey Flatley say they want flexibility. Ideal state for me is bi-weekly at the most. <laughs> like once every two weeks you yeah. come in for one day? Yeah. I don't even need a desk with my name on it. I just need a space to come to and, and either work as a team or have a conference room to talk with people in, and it's about it. <laughs> Over the past couple of years, my life has changed a lot, uh, as everyone's has, but I've actually had a baby four months ago. So coming back from maternity leave, and when I think about going back to an office, you know, I think one of the great things about working from home right now is that I can be around my child instead of going to the office and leaving him all day. Then there's the question of where the headquarters should even be. Sabah Kalaimani says the ideal location may depend on how people are getting to work. Before the pandemic, a lot of people took the bus every day. But if they're coming in just for a meeting in the middle of the day, they might be less likely to tolerate a two-hour round-trip bus ride. He says those that can may choose to drive instead. So there's a lot of those factors we have to now consider, which is, you know, what is more efficient? You know, is, is that the place where public transportation is easily available, or is it a place where you can drive in and out very quickly without having to worry about parking? You know, that's a huge consideration for us. If they want parking, he says that favors Bellevue. But if they want a place with lots of interesting things to do after work, he says that favors Seattle. As for who comes in when, they're letting managers decide what's best for each team. Different companies have different takes on this, and many workers may be required to come into work, as essential workers have all through the pandemic. But in the tech sector, many companies are giving employees a lot of freedom. It's true at Amazon and Microsoft, and it's true at F5, a global tech company based in Seattle with 1,400 local employees. F5 helps companies manage secure connections between remote workers and their offices, so you can bet they're doing a lot of business lately. Starting in January, F5 employees can choose from three options. They can come into the office full-time, they can work remotely full-time, or they can take a hybrid approach. Anna White is the chief people officer for F5. She sent me photos of the shiny new office tower they're leasing near Seattle City Hall. The building that we have in Seattle is I just think it's one of the best, and we all love it. 
But at the same time, we don't want to be too headquarter centric. They want employees to feel part of the team wherever they're working. If you're not at headquarters, let's say you're in Spokane or you're in a different country or you're working from your house, we want an even playing field for everyone. So everyone feels included and everyone has a sense of belonging. White expects employees' preferences to change over time, just like people's attitudes have changed about working remotely after doing it for a year and a half. Colin Yasakochi heads the Tech Insight Center at CBRE, a firm that tracks real estate trends. And so employees have newfound influence over what their working situations are, because many of the tech companies actually started off being a little bit more stringent on employees returning to the office. They said, no, we need to be back in the office. We need to be this many days per week. And many of them have backed off that. You know, I would say over the last six months as they've gotten pushback from their employees. In tech companies today, it's all about retention and making sure they have enough office space for the people who do want to come in. What's unclear is how many local companies snapping up space now will get rid of some of it later if coming back to the office proves less popular than companies expect. Joshua McNichols, KUOW News. Nearly everything you buy, your couch, your phone, even your floorboards, passes through a warehouse on its way to you. Warehouses have become a key link in America's supply chain, and they're now bursting at the seams, overcome by our pandemic shopping demand. NPR's Alina Seljuk reports. Doug Kiersey has been building, buying, and leasing warehouses for almost 40 years. He's never seen a time like this. It is incredible. It's completely unprecedented. Kiersey is the president of Dermody Properties, which owns warehouses used by some of the country's largest retailers. In some markets, we're over 99% occupancy. Think about it. 99% occupancy, meaning basically all the warehouse space is claimed, packed to the gills. So how did that happen? Here's Colorado State University supply chain management expert Zach Rogers. I don't think everyone realizes that it's not that, oh, the, the system's broken. They're just totally, totally overwhelmed. Rogers says warehouses went into the pandemic already pretty busy. Then things started closing. Factories, ports, but also stores. People cut back on shopping, and so stuff began piling up. And then when everything reopened... We start to see this rush of inventory coming in. Warehouses are already sort of full, and now they're really, really full. And you can see every month for the last 18 months, there's been less available warehouse space than there was the month before. Warehouses are struggling with all the same disruptions you've heard about the supply chain. Not enough workers to get stuff in and out faster. Not enough rail cars and truck drivers to haul things. But above all, there's just an eye-popping, extraordinary amount of goods. Retailers have been importing at record levels month after month. Essentially, you kind of see this doomsday prepper mentality in all of these companies where normally they've been as lean as possible. Companies are trying to do two things. They're scrambling to bring into the U.S. as much as they can while they can because they've seen what factory and port disruptions can do. But fundamentally, they're trying to keep up with our record surge in shopping. People have unleashed all their cooped-up pandemic anxiety and all the money not spent on traveling and going out on buying stuff. Furniture, clothes, computers, ordered online, delivered within days. Here's Doug Kiersey. We took five years of e-commerce growth and jammed it into one year. And we turbocharged a trend, and we weren't really prepared for that. 
Warehousing companies have been building as fast as they can. In fact, it was the one type of commercial construction that boomed all through the pandemic. But setting up fancy buildings, millions of square feet, with conveyor belts and robots and all the bells and whistles, takes time. Plus, prime warehousing space is tricky and limited. It used to be that logistics real estate went kind of like this. Hey, let's go find the next cornfield out in the exurbs go align ourselves with the next interchange on the freeway, and that's where we'll build a big building. Now that's too far. Retailers want to get your package to your door in the least amount of time. And that means jockeying for storage in expensive and crowded urban and suburban areas. Warehouse builders were just figuring all that out when the pandemic shopping raised the stakes. So demand has come up against a static supply. In a matter of a year, warehousing rents in some markets have doubled. Brand new buildings that would normally sit vacant for months are selling space before they're finished. The other day, Kiersey had to do something unheard of. Turn away an old client as three companies vied for the same warehouse. Alina Salyuk, NPR News. Activision Blizzard, the company behind Call of Duty and Candy Crush, is facing a crisis. Multiple regulators are investigating the company over alleged sexual assaults and mistreatment of female employees dating back years. At the center of this turmoil is the company's chief executive, Bobby Kotick. He was one of the highest paid CEOs in 2020 and is a well-known figure in the gaming world. But how much did he know about what was going on at his company and what did he do with that information? Well, our reporter Kirsten Grind was part of the team that looked into this and she joins me now. Hey Kirsten, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So regulators are looking into accusations of sexual misconduct at Activision. You've learned more about those. What are some of the accusations that are being made? So we spent a lot of time looking into what was going on at the company. Um, So we uncovered from talking to people and looking at internal documents some of these allegations of harassment and other issues at the company. In one case, we learned about a couple alleged rapes at a studio owned by Activision called Sledgehammer and other severe sexual harassment problems at that studio. Bobby Kotick was informed about those back in 2018, but he didn't tell his board of directors. So that's one thing we looked at extensively is how much he had been telling, keeping the board and also, you know, investors informed along the way, which we learned was not that much. In addition to Sledgehammer, we heard about another instance where a co-studio head of Treyarch, which is another successful Activision studio, had allegedly sexually harassed a woman in 2017, an internal investigation found that he should be fired, Bobby Kotick intervened to keep him on. So he was allowed to remain at the company with counseling. And then after we went to Activision, um, he actually left the company this month. Okay, so we, we know what happened in that one instance. But, you know, with some of the other allegations that you saw, how did the company react internally when some of these allegations were brought up? Well, For employees, it was really challenging because they felt like there was this culture where none of this was talked about. And often when someone was accused of misconduct, a male, 
it would sometimes be like a superstar executive or employee, and they were allowed to leave and were praised by their managers on the way out, even after allegations of misconduct. So it created this kind of like unfortunate sort of culture of silence that many former employees told us about at the company, um, in which misconduct allegations weren't really reported or taken seriously. And we learned through the course of this investigation that since the California lawsuit in July, Activision has seen now more than 500 reports of additional harassment, assault, and other issues being reported by employees. How much was Bobby Kotick involved in in these decisions and how aware was he of what was going on at the company? So he's in general, as many people have told us, very involved in the company. Um, He knows about important like hirings and firings and problems that are going on. So, you know, he would have been involved at a high level in many of those decisions. At the same time, um, the company is, is very large and has a large number of game development studios. And he believed in letting those studios generally operate autonomously. So what that meant is um, a lot of the people we spoke to in the document showed this culture of, you know, drinking alcohol, like harassment towards women, um, just like this low level of, you know, just misconduct towards women all the time um, because these units were kind of left alone. And so... Um, He was both involved at a high level in a lot of these decisions, but also kind of looking the other way in these studios. You know, when regulators in California first brought their lawsuit in July, the company tried to downplay it. And employees have staged walkouts twice now, once earlier in the summer and the second time on Tuesday following the WSJ's investigation. Since the lawsuit was filed, has the company made any changes? So the company has said they were instituting a zero tolerance harassment policy. Um, Bobby Kotick said he would reduce his salary. Um, his pay package in 2020 was valued at about $154 million. He reduced his pay package to 62000 roughly a year. And they've tried to make it easier for employees to report harassment and abuse. So one example from the story that really stood out to me was uh, Jennifer O'Neill. Can you tell us, you know, who she was, how she kind of fits into all of this? After the state lawsuit hit in July, um, the company made a number of executive changes. And as part of that, they moved up Jennifer O'Neill, who is a longtime Activision employee, to co-head one of Activision's most successful units, Blizzard. And basically what happened is she was there about a month and she sent this internal email that we've seen in which she said, I just do not believe the culture is going to change under this leadership team. She said she herself was underpaid compared to her male co-head. She said she had also been sexually harassed at one point in her career. And she recounted this party. She had been out with Bobby Kotick back in around 2007, in which there were scantily clad women dancing on stripper poles, basically pointing out that this was a long-held culture at the company that she didn't think would change. So um, it was, you know, 
it was a pretty shocking internal email only a month after she had gotten that position and she said she wanted to resign and she's leaving the company at the end of the year. How are the company or Kodak himself reacting to this story? Well, on Tuesday, when the story went online, um, the company released an internal video to employees, a transcript of which they made available, which basically said that, you know, the company is committed to these issues and Bobby is committed to working out these issues. And then the board of directors at Activision also just released a statement on Tuesday professing their support of Bobby and saying that he has handled the workplace allegations he knew about appropriately. So then what's next for Activision? I mean, do we expect any major changes? Will this affect investors? What happens from here? We're going to have to see what happens in the coming days. I mean, they're also facing, as we reported in September, an SEC investigation, um, which is looking directly at what Bobby knew, um, what he told the board over a period of years, how the company handled these misconduct allegations. So we have to see how that plays out, as well as the California lawsuit. Um They tried to settle yet another probe by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission for $18 recently, looking into some of the same issues, and that has so far not been finalized either, as the regulators kind of have a side battle going on. Um, So it's going to be an interesting few months in this respect. All right, that was our reporter, Kirsten Grind. Thanks for joining us, Kirsten. Elizabeth Holmes founded the blood testing company Theranos in 2003. At its height, it employed about 800 people. Over the past 10 weeks, some of those folks have been called to the witness stand to testify at their former boss's trial. Holmes is facing 12 counts of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud after an investigation prompted by WSJ reporting in 2015 and 2016 that revealed the company's blood testing equipment did not work as promised. At the trial, ex-Theranos employees have described a company culture of fear, isolation, and secrecy, largely at the hands of Holmes and her right-hand man, Ramesh Sunny Balwani. Joining us to discuss this and what comes next in the trial is our tech reporter, Heather Somerville. Thanks for being here, Heather. Yeah, thanks for having me, Julie. So up to this point, prosecutors have been trying to paint a picture of Theranos' workplace culture. Whom have prosecutors called or what evidence have they used to show how employees say the personalities of Holmes and Balwani factored into their day-to-day work? The prosecutors have called several former employees, uh, several lab workers, uh, lab directors, as well as other individuals who worked in different parts of the company. And through that testimony, as well as through evidence that the prosecution has filed into court record, such as emails from um, the company, we really started to see a picture of a company with a very toxic culture. And That has become evident through examples where employees were really siloed from each other. And in one instance, we heard from two lab directors who ran the Theranos lab at the same time. They were co-directors and until the trial hadn't even known that each other existed. So that's the degree of siloing that was going on inside the company. We also heard testimony that employees felt pressured to lie on behalf of the company, to mislead doctors on behalf of the company. And a lot of these things really led employees to be 
according to witnesses, stressed, to be afraid, um, and to ultimately, in some cases, quit. So witnesses were saying these were not workplace issues that were just tough. These were issues that could even be seen as unethical. Yeah, and I think that's really the distinction here. Former employees at Theranos talked about working grueling hours, having kind of a lot of high-stress situations. And that's not uncommon at a startup. That, that, that wouldn't be outside the norm in Silicon Valley. Where things started to get different were when employees felt uh, or were afraid of some sort of government inspection, some sort of intervention by regulators because they believed that there were unethical things going on. And we saw that in examples of employees forwarding themselves emails to their personal account from their Theranos account uh, as self-protection or printing out emails and documents before resigning from Theranos because, as they said on the witness stand, They felt they needed documentation to prove what was going on inside the company should uh, authorities ever come knocking. And what has the defense presented or argued in response to the prosecution trying to paint Theranos with having this culture of fear or isolation or secrecy? There have been instances where the defense has shown emails in court that show efforts by people in charge, Elizabeth Holmes, her number two, Sonny Balwani, as trying to correct problems in the lab um, to show that they really jumped on issues when it was brought to their attention and um, they really wanted to make sure that the test results were improving. That's been one strategy. And bear in mind, the defense hasn't brought its case yet, so it remains to be seen what else they'll say. But in other instances, we've heard um, Elizabeth Holmes, such as in her interview with the Securities and Exchange Commission in 2017, talk about the problem of tech theft and the vigilance she had to take to protect the company's trade secrets. And that was a justification for that intense secrecy inside the company. Okay, so this workplace culture, what do the prosecution or defense gain from either proving or disproving this? Well, it's it's sort of an undercurrent to the case, this discussion of company culture, because the prosecution has to show that Elizabeth Holmes intentionally and knowingly lied and deceived investors as well as patients. That's what they have to show. And if they convince the jury through testimony from former employees and other evidence that deceit, retaliation, lies, secrecy was so common that it was woven in to the daily events at Theranos, to every interaction, then it might help them make that case that deception and secrecy and lies was how Ms. Holmes also dealt with investors and with patients. Can you give some examples of investors and how they say they were affected by that culture of secrecy that was presented in court? Yeah, to give some examples from court testimony, investors have talked about trying really hard to get information from Elizabeth Holmes, trying really hard, asking repeatedly to get basic information about the company's financials and operations and not getting anything. Now, it it should be noted it didn't stop those investors from investing. They still put money in. But, um, you know, at least in one instance, uh, Chris Lucas, an investor from Black Diamond Ventures, testified that it was a very unusual level of secrecy and a very unusual gap in information from a startup. As part of their case, the prosecution 
presented in court recordings of a conversation. One investor, his name is Brian Tolbert. He works for the firm Hall Group based in Texas, which made an investment. And uh, Mr. Tolbert had recorded this conversation that investors had with Ms. Holmes. And the prosecutors played portions of that conversation in court, which was a pretty interesting moment because it was the first time that anyone had heard Ms. Holmes's voice. Of course, it was through these recordings uh, since the start of the trial. In one of these audio clips, Ms. Holmes is talking about how vigilant the company is being in protecting against trade secrets theft. We did file a lawsuit about a year and a half ago or two years ago against a patent troll who had uh, gone to some elaborate means to uh, attempt to steal some of our intellectual property. And, and our main point there is we will not settle on any intellectual property uh, violations. Let's focus our attention now onto the future. The prosecution will likely rest their case this week. Tell us what comes next. What should we keep an eye out for? Well, everybody is waiting to see what the defense brings for their case. Um, and of course, as part of that, if Ms. Holmes testifies. So there's a couple ways the defense can go, assuming, again, they do indeed bring a case. We think they have witnesses, but we will see for sure likely later this week. The defense has indicated that they may argue that Ms. Holmes was a victim of abuse at the hands of Sonny Balwani. Uh, and it should be noted that Mr. Balwani's attorney has denied any allegations of the sort. If this is the argument the defense brings, that Ms. Holmes was a victim of abuse and therefore under the control of somebody else and therefore not responsible for any lies that were told to other people about Theranos, she almost certainly has to take the sand. There's no way to make that argument without Ms. Holmes testifying. We also really want to pay attention to see if prosecutors call patients to testify in their final week. We've only heard from one patient. It was a brief testimony. Remember, patients are a big part of this case, and uh, they have the opportunity to elicit empathy and compassion from the jury. So we will be watching closely to see if additional patients take the stand in this final week of the prosecution's case. All right. That was our reporter, Heather Somerville. Thanks again for joining us today. Is there a bully in the building? Folks who live and work in a Miami high-rise tell our Laren Livingston their board president is on a power trip, and they've got proof. And they say his annex aren't just putting them on edge, but possibly at risk. Well, that escalated quickly. What's your problem, man? I want to delete. I ain't going nowhere, man. Go home. I lost your damn mind. Hey, dog, slavery days are over, though. You don't tell me what the this spirited exchange went on for nearly 15 minutes outside Blue on the Bay, a high-rise condo in Miami's Edgewater neighborhood. Do this, boy, and do that, and you go listen to me, or, you know. Like, no, those days are over. You go respect me. David Bruton is a supervisor with S1 Security Group. One of his guards called off back on March 29th, leaving David to cover the watch at Blue on the Bay. Lunchtime came. Sat in the car, I started eating my first slice, my first slice. That's when David met a very different Goliath. I saw him pointing at the car and everything, and uh, so I got out to see what his concern was. And he said, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm having my lunch. 
So he started cursing and, and telling me, oh, oh, you're supposed to be doing your job. And I said, legally, I'm allowed to have a lunch. I can, I can sit here and I can eat. He had a problem with that. So, so before things escalated, I calmed down and I got back in the car and closed the door. He comes to the passenger side and snatches the door open. Then all hell breaks loose. He later learned that man is Ben DeVere, a resident and condo board president, who ultimately calls the police, claiming he feels threatened. Look at this racist, man. He racist as bro. Racist. Yeah, you racist. I'm more black than you. <laughs> Y'all heard that, right? You heard that, right? When the police show up, DeVere wants the guard to go. These witnesses, though, they see things from the guard's point of view. This is not the first security guard he's tried kicking out. They said, okay, man, sorry, our hands are tied here, you have to go. I said, okay, no problem, and I left. I stand behind my company, I stand by any employee. If they feel they were treated bad, we're with them. Rolando Palma owns the security company, which lost the Blue on the Bay contract following this incident. What's your problem, man? He says this is not the first time DeVere's had a problem with one of his guards. He made references before of people in color. But it is the first time it was caught on camera. Palma says he's planning to take legal action. Discrimination complaints, civil lawsuits, breach of fiduciary duty, and no one wants to deal with that because it only ends up getting paid by the owners. They're the ones that suffer as a result of having a board member that doesn't know proper protocol. Attorney Alessandra Stivelman does not represent Blue on the Bay, but she is board certified in condo law. You're representing the interests of your entire community, and you have an obligation to ensure that it's properly represented. Just because you're a board member doesn't mean that you can take unilateral actions, that you can fire people or tell people what to do. There are certain procedures that need to be followed. We asked the Blue on the Bay property manager for a response. The response was no comment. Mr. DeVere, do you mind answering some questions for us? When we caught up with DeVere to get his take on things. You're just trying to see if you could give us a statement. Hi, attorney, one second. Feel free. He whipped out another phone, appeared to record me, then. Oh, I guess he just got to hit me with the mirror then. And drove away. And that was our Laren Livingston reporting, and he was not hurt after getting hit by that car. And the board president, well, he's been caught on a few cameras yelling at neighbors and other workers in the building. We'll have much more to come on this one. Morgan, Reading, Pennsylvania. Democrat, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for C-SPAN. I just wanted to comment on the Rittenhouse case. Just think, if the police there would have did their job and took a rifle away from a 17-year-old who was illegally carrying one, we, these two men would be alive today. And you wonder why people of color see white supremacy everywhere. Because if he would have been a young 17-year-old of color, they would have just took that gun from him right away. So that's all I wanted to say about that. Thank you. Trent, Omaha, Nebraska. Democrat, good morning. Good morning. I just wanted to say that the guy that was on there talking about they're looking for diversity and engineering and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these companies are saying that they're looking for diversity, but when they, when you, when my, us minorities. Trent, did we lose you? You still there?
I know when that's I was just gonna say when that's minorities get on these jobs with all with in these mechan in these engineering and mechanical engineering and jobs like that. The people, the and I, I'm not. I try not to be a racist, but our right, the, the Caucasians that we are working with, they do not. They do not like working with African Americans. They show us in our work as we working with them. They do little overt things, and it's continuously the whole time that you're working there. They're trying to get you out of these jobs. And when What's you that? go to human resources or you go to your bosses, none of them. I mean, yeah, they they listen to you, but. None of that rises to what the level of what they call it has to be blatant racism or blatant things. And so as long what, as they're not. Trent, what's an example of that in, in your own working life? I mean, in my working life, like I said, I just I was at a job for 16, almost 17 years. And when they realized I was getting close to my to my retirement, they have been trying to get rid of me for as long as they ended up getting rid of my chief engineer. And when they fired my chief engineer, they brought in a, another lady who came in. The day that she walked in, she wrote me up. She wrote, my, I have never had an unsatisfactory performance. She wrote me up and just kept on needling and needling me. One day they just came in and told me one day I didn't know how to start up a boiler. And I had been starting up boilers at that job for over 17 years, and they just simply fired me. And this is what goes on to black people all throughout this country on our jobs. We have to deal with, we, we, we do our best to work with these people. We ignore all the stuff that they do to us. And soon, knowing sooner or later, no matter how long we work with them, the majority of us are going to, they're going to get rid of us out of these jobs before we can retire, and they will never let us be part of their jobs. And that's what I wanted to say about working in America. It, they, they, they make sure that they let us know that they do not want us to work with them. And, I mean, we, the longer I work there, I mean, I, I've been, I, I mean, I, every day it's a fight of trying to keep your job. Context of white supremacy. Not just America. Uh, Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, November 19, 2021. So I have been told this is our weekly summit, Neutralizing Workplace Racism. The number to dial 720-716. Seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Broadcast is not for spectators. So if you don't have to deal with any niggling, that's what the caller said on C-SPAN. You don't have folks niggling you. In the workplace, you don't have people coming in and writing you up for phantom offenses. You don't have any of those problems. You don't have any sexual harassment. If you need a day off from work, if you need a week off from work, you don't want to participate in the holiday parties. There's no penalty. You get all of your uh, promotions, raises. You get sparkling performance evaluations every time. Let us know how you did that. We would like to emulate some of your, you know, wellness in the workplace. The number to share 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. 
Uh, before we get to some of the reports just from last week, uh, I think B in Toronto, she wrote in, talked about some of the really egregious uh, workplace terrorism that she's been experiencing this year. And she talked about how it's had such a devastating impact on her mental health, even to the point where she was having suicidal thoughts and said, whoa, that is super serious. That is all kinds of red flags. Uh, anytime uh, the trauma that you're experiencing in the workplace is having that much of an impact on your health and well-being, where your sleep is being disrupted. You go home and you're angry. You're frustrated. You're not able to eat or you're overeating either one feeling suicidal, destructive. All of that is major grounds like, whoa, I need to get my exit strategy together. I need to be doing some things to replenish, take care of my health and well-being. If I'm not eating correctly, getting that taken care of ASAP, if I'm not resting correctly, if this means taking some time off while I get myself together, counseling, whatever it is. But I mean, that is something not to trivialize so many black people end up having just all kinds of really devastating experiences because of the trauma that they go through in the workplace. Dr. Frances Cress Welsing, she was a general and child psychologist. A lot of her practice was talking to black people who've been mistreated in the workplace. She talked about that all the time. One of the main reasons why we have this program, I feel like this is so important and there should be more resources because so many black and B is in Toronto, not in America. The caller and C-SPAN said on the last clip, but so many black people all over the world go through these type of experiences. So really prioritize your health and well-being. All of that said, um, so B in Toronto, she shared with us last week, I'd said that I was going to make an effort to check in with her, uh, do my diligence. I was able to nap her on the phone. Uh, she uh, is persevering as best she can and working on her exit strategy and doing some things where it seemed like she got a little bit of good news uh, in terms of being able to uh, begin the process of extricating herself. So uh, and when I checked in with her, she said even some of the other cows listeners uh, had checked in with her to see how she was doing and to reach out and offer some uh, support from wherever they happen to be at. So bravo. And sometimes that means so much. I mean, we're all back of the bus, bottom of the vote, victims of racism. But for so many black people, non-white people in whole, but I think especially black people on these jobs when they're being mistreated and end up having no one to be able to go to talk to, uh, not be able to go and talk to parents, spouse, siblings, neighbors, whatever, just not having anybody to be able to go and talk to or have folks who blame you regardless of what's happening assume that you did something to justify whatever it is that's happened to you. It's so common. That's why I feel like it's, you know, important to have this resource for neutralizing workplace racism for people to be able to share strategies, tips, figure out the best way to proceed, solve problems without creating new problems. Uh, so much obliged. Uh, hope B is, is doing even better. I will continue to check in and hopefully we'll get some updates uh, on how she was able to remedy her situation. Uh, again, mental health, super important. 
some of the audio segments that we heard at the beginning. They had the report here in Seattle, Washington, where I am uh, talking about office workspace. Lots of the spots downtown Seattle are still have been vacant for almost two years now. They had the major shutdown uh, in the spring of last year. And lots of folks have been working remotely and, you know, still no signs of things coming back. Like it's been crazy. Like even some of the dry cleaning, like auxiliary businesses and things that would normally function around just having so much traffic going into downtown into all the big high rise buildings. Dry cleaning is only open, I think, like three days a week now. And some of the uh, like lunchtime eateries and things, people that worked in offices would go eat lunch. A lot of those uh, are either closed or open much shorter schedules. So who knows when all of that will be adjusted again? That is a lot of individuals classified as white with that luxury uh, to either be hybrid or work at home. Although I did see a report just this week, a number of them actually talking about how a number of different employees are leveraging all of the worker shortages and everything to get, you know, more access to being able to work from home or hybrid or all kinds of goofy things. They even had one where you could work anywhere in the world for three months. Next, let's see. They had the, so there were two reports. They had one uh, that was talking about at Activision, all these allegations of sexual abuse. We've said for years, if you're uh, a non-white person, system of racism, you got to talk about racism, got to talk about sexual abuse. Uh, male or female, you have to have a code in terms of touching in the workplace, comments, because that can take a whole lot of forms, uh, documenting, reporting things like just making it very clear that is not acceptable at all. Now, they talked about uh, at Activision, they said that the culture was so bad they would go out and it would be strippers and scantily clad uh, attire and what have you. And we've had a number of people who've talked about that even all over the world. We had Calvin Johnson. He was on uh, the Canadian Mounted Police, Royal Mounted uh, Canadian Police, black male. And he said they would go out to uh, happy hour and such. People are all drunk and all the rest of it. I think we even had some people who called in who said that they would go on out uh, work related capacity. They were going out to some gay bar and all the rest of it. Like none of that is acceptable particularly now 2022 like with all they talked about me too and everything like there is no work environment where we should be going to a strip bar of any sort for something work related unless we work at the strip bar we're already there we're on the clock if that's not the case should not be happening and if it is i'm gonna miss this one thank you just take good notes and i'll catch up thank you kindly alcohol they talked about that too work environment where alcohol is permitted even for a so-called holiday party or anything else that is a major red flag again unless we work at a bar or something like that no i've never seen anything good happen alcohol being introduced to a work environment i have never seen where you thought you had some problems with that promotion or that raise let's all get a fifth and we'll feel way better and you're going to get that raise probably get double the raise that you i've never seen that uh, the next one, they said it was so bad at Activision, though, they called in a consultant, everything to change it. And she quit. The next report was uh, Elizabeth Holmes, 
uh, lied to all those folks, stole all those millions and millions, might have been billions, I believe, white woman. Uh, some folks had mentioned, I think some people at least said they were following the trial. I've not heard had anybody like no one uh, send me a report about the trial since it's been active. People were talking about like the podcast and things, but I'd said we could read the book. Uh, there's a big book on uh, Elizabeth Holmes. We could read that. Didn't really hear a lot of interest on that either. Uh, I've tried to keep an eye on the trial because uh, it looks like it's going to last quite a long time. Might even break the O.J. Simpson record. We'll have to see. Uh, but they said that so much in this trial has come out in terms of text messages. They said in the report that we heard uh, they had employees come in and testify and they said it was a culture of secrecy. That's another big red flag where they said they had people who were working on the same project, member of the same team. They never even talked to each other or knew this until they came in to testify like that is crazy. That sort of thing. Be mindful of if you're in a workplace where it's very much like you people have talked about. You ask questions that are just about the work that we're doing and you never get your questions answered. Things are see you don't get to meet everybody that's there. Now, like I've said, this is not that we got to go all to the gay bar for happy hour and hang out for five or six hours together. I mean, dang, they have all kinds of meetings and things just on a Monday morning at 930, we're going to have a quick staff meeting. You get to know everybody. OK, that's Billy. That's Ted. That's Susan. Like, no. Hmm. Those text messages, that's another one that's come out in that uh, Elizabeth Holmes trial consistently getting employees to come in and testify about what they saw, what happened, even being nervous and feeling like something could happen. Did you hear that? They said folks were so nervous and feeling like, oh, man, the inspectors are going to get us. We're going to get in trouble. Got us around here lying and deceiving folks. Oh, man, I got to send documentation to my personal email. Like, oh, my God. Any if you work in an environment like that, you should be working on an exit strategy. That's one. As soon as you begin to see that, you know, hey, a good two, three years of this, my mental health will be shot. This is not an environment I'm going to be able to hang out in. Things could end up being blamed on me. Am I interested in having to go to court to testify about what I knew and when and all like I'm good. <laughs> Let me get myself out of here pronto and document to save myself until I can escape. Whatever that means. They said I have to send uh, information to my personal account and all the rest of it. Like do what you have to do to protect yourself in in that sort of situation I would be really mindful about any emails that I send what I say any text messages because they've had a whole rack of emails and text messages get pulled out in the middle of the trial like oof. that's why I talked about that dating and such because that came up too. like who was Elizabeth Holmes who is she dating and was she pressured and let's look at the text message None of that. If you're in a secretive work environment, be very careful, very alert. Might be some nefarious activities going on and sexual abuse and, of course, racism. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> oh, yeah. We also heard the report uh, on the warehouses being full. Uh, that one I included just because we've had a number of cows listeners who've talked about their own experience working in warehouses where it's been unsafe, uh, where it's seeming like it's just a rush, 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 go, go, go. Uh, we have, uh, you know, 
numbers uh, that we are support quotas in terms of how much product we're supposed to be getting moved and getting things shipped uh, and being super efficient, that that trumps everything, including safety. So I can't even imagine if you literally have the warehouses bursting at the gills uh, because people are pandemic buying and trying to gorge for Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the rest of the goofy racist holidays uh, at the end of the year. Uh, if folks are working in those areas, safety trumps all uh, I would not literally break my neck uh, just so that you know we can make sure that little Timmy and little Jonathan get their Christmas goodies on time uh, let's see the segment they talked about uh, before we got to the C-SPAN segment uh, they talked about the black male he was working uh, and they said that they had all these incidents. Oh, the security guard, the security guard. He's at work. Uh, I guess the building manager or what have you comes out and is cursing at him about being on lunch. I think we said for years for neutralizing workplace racism, composure counts more than anything. If you lose your composure, you can forget everything else. Now, the victim in this instance, security guard, he's on his lunch, you know, I think. Hey, and he's filling in for somebody else who, who called out sick. Uh, I'm of the opinion in a work setting, you don't ever want to have like a 15 minute exchange of like shouting, yelling, cursing, anything like that. Like that's just way, way, way too long workplace or any other environment, really. Uh, in a workplace, you want everything to be short. It would just be recording. If it's going to be 15 minutes, it'll be 15 minutes of this person yelling, shouting, saying whatever they say, um, especially once they got to the point where they're cursing and anything else like no need to respond at all. If anything, at that point, it would be making a police call, calling your supervisor, as he said, he uh, the guy when he started being rowdy, get back in the car. That would be it. It would be no discourse. And we need to talk about this or talk about that. Like, nope, out of here. You're dangerous. I'm just going into whatever your code is. If that's record from a safe distance in your vehicle, windows rolled up, vehicle locked. Uh, if that's calling your supervisor, if that's exiting, if you're in your vehicle, you could leave the premises. You know, you could drive, get some distance, call the police, call your supervisor, see how you want to, you know, proceed with things. But I'm very much uh, you do not want to get into kind of a going back and forth and, and then you're cursing at the person or anything like that. Let them do all the cursing. Let them engage in all of the antics uh, and it'll just be you being quiet, asking a question and are you just recording and vacating the premises, you know, go make a call, go to your vehicle, go in to call enforcement officers or whatever it is. At any rate, I would not go on for uh, 15 minutes. And then, you know, when the person is saying like, I'm blacker than you and all this and uh, what, what did you say? Nope. No response to any of that. You're just recording, mm -hmm. waiting for enforcement officers to arrive or, you know, however you're going to handle things. Um, the last one, the segment from C-SPAN, uh, the caller dialed in. He was saying that white people show you on their jobs that they don't want us to be here. And he talked about how he was mistreated and they fired his supervisor, brought in a woman. I don't know if it was a white woman, but brought in this woman and wrote him up immediately. And he said, just niggling, niggling, niggling. Um, and he said he tries not to be a racist, 
They confound us even about what it means to be racist. It's not possible, even if he thought, hey, all these white people on the job are are racist and mistreat black people. That would not mean he is a racist, whether he just woke up and said that, whether he had evidence or none. None of that would make him a racist. They keep us confused about everything, all kinds of things. Even within that, I thought that was uh, important. We had a listener who mailed that to me last weekend. That was from, I believe, Sunday when C-SPAN, they have their open phone lines. Uh, where he was able to share a little bit about his frustrations and another reason why we have neutralizing workplace racism uh, to discuss so that we can share how common that sort of thing is and strategies, things we can do to hopefully uh, try to neutralize that effort to get, get this guy fired. But that's when we hear a lot, too, where he said he'd been working there about 16 years close to retirement. And then, oh, yeah, let's get this nigger out of here before he can get that retirement, get his watch trophy or, you know, whatever it's supposed to be when you ride off into the sunset. And incidentally, that was in the tech industry where they say it's a bottleneck problem and we just can't find qualified niggers. They get five or six of them and then they mistreat all five or six of the ones that they get. Uh, let's see. I'll read one email until justice at gmail.com and then we'll get the folks that dialed in. Let's see. Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, so one email I mentioned B earlier, uh, other folks who heard the program wrote in as well, uh, their response to B. So one person black male wrote in, I just finished listening to your program and it was very constructive. I am the school employee that the race soldier wrote up for not checking email. I went through a whole lot to write up uniform complaints against this race soldier just to neutralize him and protect myself and my job. I had a routine regular doctor's visit that was pre-scheduled when he checked my vitals. My blood pressure was sky high. He told me to monitor it and I bought a blood pressure cuff and monitor. I did not know it was that bad. It kept fluctuating rapidly up and down a week ago Friday. I spent four hours at urgent care last Sunday. It fluctuated to 180 over 140 and a friend of mine rushed me to the emergency room. I was there until early Monday until meds kicked in and brought it down. I never had these issues before until I got into controversy with this race soldier. I fully understand what B in Toronto is going through now. I am left with a condition that I may have to be placed on medication for the rest of my life because of a racist bully who wants to subjugate me. I believe these race soldiers know we are susceptible to these conditions and they deliberately do things to agitate us to trigger these health issues. They are calculating devils. Much obliged, sir. Um, I, I agree 1000%. Uh, we've heard this from other listeners as well. I'm a big, where I'm not a big advocate. I'm a big advocate, I guess, of science and biology. One thing that works well at, with lowering blood pressure, water, and it seems to have an immediate effect drink more water getting away from those beverages plant-based diet of course uh, to get your weight down getting in a little exercise all of those things can be very helpful in helping to regulate high blood pressure as well certainly plant-based diet but 
stress, the stress of the work environment, as I said, as we talked about last week, it can do so much to erode your health and well-being. You really have to be uh, alert about that uh, and monitoring like, wow, is this getting to the point where it's impacting me when I leave work and how I feel and I'm agitated, I'm angry, my blood pressure is up, like all of those things are very important to be mindful of. And hopefully just being better informed can help regulate some of those functions as well. Uh, pause here. See if any of the folks that are with us want to share on what they've heard thus far, their own experiences. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, some of the first few folks with a hand up line should be open. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Good evening to Gus, the host and to the listeners of the cows program. Uh, I wanted to give my uh, thoughts on the Elizabeth Holmes uh, trial. One thing it seems to have been reported, it seems at the end of the report, they may have attempted to characterize her as a victim of some type of uh, abuse is the reason that she had uh, deceived all of her uh, customers or investors. I found that pretty interesting. Uh, another um, report that I wanted to um, comment on was the report on the sexual misconduct uh, committed by white males on their jobs and the abuse that uh, they seem to have uh, conducted against uh, women, females, and uh, with the Cincinnati, uh, with the baseball team or basketball, whatever the uh, sports team was, it seemed like they were focusing in on the misconduct of the white male. But I've not seen. Um, mistreat other, uh, their subordinates, such as, uh, Students in the case of the teachers, uh, I don't see that reported very often that white teachers have been reported as mistreating their students, either uh, males or females. Uh, and most of those uh, people that they do mistreat are non-white people. The other, uh, I guess, uh, field of uh, profession that I've noticed that is very seldom reported on mistreatment is in the medical field that white women uh, dominate, especially in uh, the nursing field. It seems that white women tend to be uh, more powerful than uh, any other uh, non-white people in those fields. And I never uh, hear reports about the mistreatment um, on uh, their patients. I hear that uh, in terms of uh, people that I've known comment on mistreatment that they've experienced with um, white female um, 
nurses, but I don't see that reported in news on mass. Um, the report on my uh, workplace racism, uh, I've, I've been driving with a company that picks up um, specimens of uh, COVID samples, and that has been going decently. Um, I've not uh, experienced anything that was uh, traumatic. But I did want to comment on uh, two non-white people who were assigned to ride with me to pick up the specimens or to deliver the test kits. Uh, one of them was a non-white, non-black male who um, it was kind of interesting that uh, this person was began uh in conversation with me about um, uh, Bitcoin or some other type of uh, other um, uh, currency and how I should invest, I it was unsolicited. I certainly didn't solicit any of that information. Um, but he was uh, telling me about all these other types of um, payment systems where you can get money if he um, referred me but then I would have to give him some money in order to get my discount. Uh, I just dismissed that uh, uh, as uh, not anything productive for myself or anything constructive for myself. Uh, one of the other um, uh, non-white, uh, non-black persons who was from a country called Suriname was very surprised to know that I was informed about that country. Um, that person seemed to, um, I guess this would be a VGQ. They were making comments regarding racism and how they had never known racism until they had come to the United States of America. Uh, this person told me that they came here about 15 years ago, and that's when they uh, began to learn about racism. Uh, and I just, you know, uh, chalk that up as to uh, victims guaranteed qualification because this is a, a non-white person so they can make any comments about racism that uh, they're, they're qualified to make any comments about racism that they uh, feel obligated to. Uh, I would find it hard to believe that a country in uh, South America was not experiencing any type of racism or that a person could grow up in any part of the world and not have any um, understanding of racism until they've come here. Maybe when they've come here, it's been more blatant. Uh, but I've uh, researched Suriname. Uh, the, uh, most of the leadership of that country would not be people who would be classified as black or African black. Um, most of those people would be considered non-white, uh, but certainly non-black. And, and the makeup of the country is uh, is does have a sizable portion of uh, people who would be classified as black, but uh, almost no representation um, in uh, any uh, significant matter. Um, one of the other uh, things I wanted to comment was regarding my code in the workplace and how uh, adhering to that code for me, uh, I, I'm learning that that is a, um, 
a, a more constructive way to conduct myself. I actually got, had gone off code because I had um, spent money on uh, supplies that the uh, the person I'm contracted with had asked me to purchase, and that I would. I told them that I, excuse me, they told me that they would reimburse me for those uh, purchases, but I never received my reimbursement, even when requesting that reimbursement multiple times, sending the receipts, I had not received my reimbursement. So I uh, did something that was very uncodified and potentially could have cost me this uh, contract, which was uh, I attempted to uh, reimburse myself by uh, conducting myself in an uncoded manner to uh, retrieve the funds that I had put out, but I had not been reimbursed for. Um, when I was, uh, uh, I guess, confronted with that reality, it was uh, quite embarrassing for me. So I, uh, I guess, you know, adhering to other parts of my code, which is being very professional, uh, being early uh, to my scheduled assignments, that prevented me from losing that contract, but it could have potentially um, prevented me from gaining um, other benefits. So I, um, I definitely am regret, regretting uh, going off that code or doing something that was uncodified. Um, that's all I wanted to report for now, and I will uh, stay on the line and mute my line. Thank you, and have a good night. Good evening. Hmm. Much obliged, good sir. Always say, hey, if you are interested in improving your code, you are the best person. You have all the information about when you do things or say things where you feel like, man, I could have made an improvement here, or I won't do this next time, I won't say this next time. So next time around, uh, what do you think would be the best way to handle it? Uh, you're in a job situation and a white person says, hey, can you, you know, pick up X, X supplies uh, for me and we'll reimburse you? What do you think is the best way to, to go about that next time around? I'll have to think about that uh, a bit more. I've uh, one of the things that I. um came up with was uh, continuing to um, ask for the reimbursement. Uh, and, and that's really the only thing that I've come up with. I'm willing to listen for other suggestions on uh, getting the reimbursement uh, from the employer. But one of the things I had thought about was uh, asking for the cash upfront to purchase the items that way. I am not uh, liable, but the uh, the thought with that is that that person is going to hold me responsible for any uh, any leftover funds, uh, and you know, th that that could be something that is um, it, it has a possibility of being something that's not constructive for me. So I'm I'm still thinking about that and still working that out. But any suggestions would be welcome. Hmm. 
Right on. I do like that one if it's feasible um, to at requesting the funds in advance. But sometimes that might be the type of thing where you're, you know, in place A and this person is in place Q uh, and they're asking you to pick them up and you all are going to meet elsewhere. So if feasible, asking in advance, I like that one. Um, I think also, I guess at the moment that they make the request, um, can you pick up, you know, said items and we'll reimburse you? Just asking then, is this going to be, uh, am I going to be compensated later on today? Is this going to be added onto the check? Just let me know. Uh, I'm not, you know, Elizabeth Holmes. I'm not rolling in billions. So I just want to know when I'll be compensated for the purposes. Ask then and you can send, uh, everybody has, you know, newfangled iPhones and all the rest of it. So I would take a, a photograph of the receipt immediately uh, and text it to them so they have it. And then... Yeah, even if you can get that in writing, that would be great, too, uh, for them to write out like, oh, yeah, you can, you know, expect payment into the workday or it'll be added on to your check. So you have an exact agreement uh, expectation about when you're supposed to be paid back and all that good stuff, too. Um, yeah, I would much rather it be with the amount of deception and wage theft that I've seen in the system of racism. If they give me the funds up front. And I go purchase the product and then finagling about, you know, we didn't get all the change that we're supposed to and that sort of thing, because that's when I feel like you have a receipt and then you can go and, you know, if you're giving it to whomever, it would just be I'm going to get a receipt that, hey, bam, this is what the item cost. And I'm bringing you back fifteen dollars, twenty five cents. Here it is. And you can sign off on that, that you received fifteen twenty five from me on date time. Bam. Get that, you know, signed, notarized if need be. I'd much rather go that route uh, and have it be some sort of squabbling about the change and then just making sure I documented that as opposed to I have to chase John or Helen around for the next six months uh, to get my compensation to be reimbursed. Because I've seen that happen a lot, too, uh, even with some white people where they did X, Y and Z. They were told to get this and we'll reimburse you. And then it just goes on and on and on. The person at accounting for God and somebody in accounting died and all this I've seen where that can happen a lot so yeah I would ask in advance let me know and when it's not even I'm not a billionaire I count my nickels when am I going to be compensated for this Boop. and maybe even have to get that in writing too uh, let's see as for Elizabeth Holmes yeah I'm, I'm not surprised at all white people being portrayed as the victim them saying that she was bullied or something like that that's why I said they went through the text messages in the trial to try to see now, is there some evidence that you were bullied that you weren't in charge that's why I said you got to be real careful uh, about those uh, text messages and the like can get in lots of trouble uh, as for I guess the non-white person uh, on your job uh, saying coming from South America and saying that hey I didn't I didn't know about racism until I came to America I've heard that a lot from people who are born outside the states our global Sunday talk should be this coming Sunday uh, but I've heard that frequently V I think that's awesome victims guaranteed qualified I don't have anything to say um, I find that interesting because I'd be curious if he's saying this to like white people on your job. Like, is this something where he just finds the black people that work there? And then when it's just you all like, wow, bro, 
I didn't know anything about this racism thing until I came here. Like, wow, this is so eye popping. Like, how have you survived all these like that type of thing? Or is this everybody like any and everybody that comes through? Like, oh, my gosh, like all this stuff about color and mistreating non-white people. Like, what is going on? Like, I suspect he has learned enough about racism since coming to so-called America that I think Mr. Fuller would even giggle about that. What do you mean you came from South America to America? Like, see, the language is all crazy. But yeah, uh, I suspect um, he's learned enough that he is not just striking up random conversations with the white people that work there about racism. But I could be totally, totally wrong. Uh, let's see. And they never focus on white women's abuse. Absolutely not. Uh, let's see. It's going to. Did did you? Were you going to add something else, sir? Did I? I, I was just going. I would add that uh, this non-white. Uh, he would not be classified as a black person. Uh, he unsolicited by me uh, displayed his uh, photograph of his uh, wife and his newborn child. I can certainly understand people showing photographs of their newborn child, but um, he was very pride, proud of his uh, uh, he, who, his wife, who looks like a, she would be classified as a black woman. It wouldn't be a mistake that she would uh, be classified as a black woman. I just found that to be very curious in that he uh, described his uh, child as black and knees, and he described himself as uh a mixture of Chinese, Indian, and some other, uh, uh, oh, I guess both would be Asian, and some other, uh, and Dutch. Uh, but he did not identify himself as uh, having any African heritage. It may not be the case. It may be the case that he does not have any African uh, DNA, and that certainly doesn't make a difference to me. But I just found that to be uh, a curious thing that this person ran down their uh, lineage to me uh, without me provoking any type of that uh, response. That's all I wanted to add. Hmm. Right on. That's, that would be another one. I'd be suspicious if they would, you know, behave in this sort of way with someone classified as white. Um, I wouldn't have anything to say, like as you did. I would have nothing to say about any of that. Uh, even if it was someone classified as black, grew up in Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, whatever. Um, it would be the same thing. Like we're not on the job to talk about racism or the Elizabeth Holmes trial or, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse and isn't a shame that he got none of that. Like I'm not here for that. And I don't know, are you getting this information to go back and snitch and tell other people what I had to say about racism in America and all the rest of it? Like, nah, that's interesting. VGQ, let's get back to workplace topics. Uh, and like I said, I would just, I would kind of monitor and see the type of things that they talk about with white people just for my own information, not to bring it up or question this person or anything like that, just to see, like, do they come in? Are they talking about, you know, TV programs? And how about those cowboys? And wow, and, you know, whatever else. What are you going to be doing for Thanksgiving? That type of thing. And then they come to you and they talk about this. Like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't him having a, a black partner and 
all the rest of it. I don't know if he feels like he, he has some sort of connection with black people. He can trust the black people in the work environment. That could be totally true. VGQ, if anybody, you know, feels like, hey, this might just be another victim who's reaching out. That's grand. I am all of the opinion. Army of one united independent uh, in the workplace. It's just too difficult to unless you have a rapport with that person and everything. It's just too difficult uh, to put a whole lot of trust in other individuals, especially if we're just talking about race. Even if I did trust that person, we're not going to be talking about what you've learned about racism on the job. Standard operating procedure if we're talking about being codified. Anywho, uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in uh, with a hand up, uh, if you have commentary to share, uh, either your own situation or suggestions on things that we've heard thus far, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, Gus, uh, victim from New Jersey. Uh, it's been a... Uh, it's been it's, it's been a tough two weeks. Um, I injured myself in the workplace um, last Friday. Uh, I have to get surgery Monday on my knee. I have a ruptured uh, tendon, uh, patella, and also uh, injured patella. So my knee is shifted. So you know, I injured myself in the workplace, uh, making a delivery to a hotel. Um, usually when I'm working, I'm usually more careful with the floor, meaning before I make a decision to pull up a step or go down a step, you know, I kind of make sure that the floor is not wet, that my footing is correct, but unfortunately this day, it was just one step, and I underestimated and the floor was extremely greasy. I was living into a hotel in Manhattan, you know, slipped. And once I went down, I can feel my knee separating, um, shifting. And uh, I had a partner, you know, you know, he went to come help me and say, hey, you know, listen, you know, get up, shake it off. I said, no. My exact words was, that's not it. Call in <laughs> So... Uh, the ambulance was called. I waited. Um, you know, they put ice on my knee. They basically looked at my knee, seeing the difference from the right to the left. I needed the right. And, you know, they said, listen, you know, something ain't right. You want to wait to the hospital. Uh, I declined. You know, I waited for uh, my company to leave me and take me to their hospital. Because if I really went to the hospital in New York City, I was on my own, and I would have had to make my way from the hospital back to New Jersey. So I went to their doctor. Diagnosis was no work. Ruptured attendant, you know, displaced me. So I go for surgery uh, Monday. Um, so everything that I've been doing, I contacted a lawyer. I contacted a lawyer in New York City to handle a hotel because, yes, they are liable. I made it my business. These places that we deliver to, they have no regards for people who make deliveries. 
none whatsoever. Most of the buildings in New York City are old, so a lot of them don't have elevators. They have um, stairs and, you know, ground sheets where you have to physically, manually take the hand trunk stairs. And a lot of situations, a lot of times that the floors agree to, you know, even it's times when you're making deliveries and they'll just start mopping the floor <laughs> while you're making the deliveries. Um, so I contacted two lawyers, uh, one to handle a hotel in New York and the other to make sure I am fully compensated when it comes to working compensation. I've been corresponding with my job. They seem like they're, they're attempting to do the right thing. Everything I do is by email. Anytime I contact them, it's by email, especially with dealing with, um, unfortunately, um, I have a problem with the wages from that week, so I have to get in contact because uh, the days are done by um, incentives. So you get paid by pieces, you get paid by miles, but unfortunately, when I hurt myself, I was paid hourly. That's something that I have to dispute. However, everything that I do, Thus far, will be done. I will keep track of everything. I've been basically corresponding with the lawyers, dealing with the working compensation, and also with the situation of the hotel in New York City. Um, this place that I'm working for is very tacky. <laughs> no regards for safety. They pay. Thus, they pay. Callers, I mean listeners, they pay. But as far as workplace safety, as far as being professional and caring about the workforce, tacky, 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 tacky. That, that can take up a whole hour or two to talk about the tackiness of this place. I talked about my old job. Unfortunately, they keep calling me, and I, was, I, I, I took your suggestions up. I just kept sending them an email. But unfortunately, I picked up the phone and I was and I guess I was really in a mood to really express myself, so I let them know. I said, listen, if you were compensating me the way that you're supposed to compensate me, I would still do it. If. I said, you know, I let them know, listen, you know, because word got back. People who seen me that I found a new job. And even with me not working there, these people still, this guy still wants to have access to my life. So, oh, you know, I, I heard that you're working for... XYZ company. Yes, I am. What up? Listen, you know what I mean? Rent in New Jersey is high. The wages that you're offering does not, does not, is not, I'm not able to sustain myself. So if you're able to give me this amount net, I'll consider. Well, how's your trucking business? Uh, trucking business is cool. That's still going. You know, so I got a surgery to take care of. I'll get back at you. After I come from surgery. Truth be told, I'm not going back. You know what I'm saying? And even with the new trucking business, everybody says the, the wage for financial freedom for black people is you know, um, entrepreneurship. Yes, that is, but with entrepreneurship comes responsibility. You know what I'm saying? So the truck, unfortunately, this month makes a year I've been in the trucking business. My partner has been handling. It's part of the bargain. He's been driving the truck, but unfortunately, there's rules and regulations, and I missed a audit. Because I missed the audit, the safety audit, my truck is down for 30 
talking bad about the running. So I hopefully I have a prosperous uh, income coming from uh, the truck. The guy who says that he came out of pocket to take care of a company expense, I had to do that two weeks ago. Uh, he was driving a truck. The truck was on E. Unfortunately, I pulled off the yard. I didn't check the gas. The gas was on E, and I had to go from North New Jersey to South Jersey, so I had to put $100 in the tank. So I just basically made sure that I took a picture of the receipt next to the bill with the date. So they know that this was this this hundred dollars was was paid and this this receipt was used on this particular day and also took a picture of the ticket next to the truck and the truck number. Um, they gave me money right away, but unfortunately, um, I mean, I loaded up Gus, I loaded up um, listeners because I do not trust this company to do the right thing. So I'm just. You know, they, they push the paperwork through, and people with working compensations call me. Um, they let me know how much money I'll be receiving. Um, you know, so I'll get the max. You know, New Jersey law, there's a certain amount of max. Even if you make X amount of money, they can only give you so much. So I'm at the threshold, so I'll be getting the max. But, um, Unfortunately, if I do, I mean, if I do come up out of this situation, which I talked to the lawyers with some kind of um, you know, money at the end of my trouble and going through surgery and not being able to, 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 to physically move around like I used to, I should, I should come out of this with some money. Unfortunately, at the expense of my leg, this is my way out to get my second truck and get Excuse my, excuse me, cursing. Get the hell off these jobs. Get, get, get totally, you know, from these two tacky jobs. I'm gonna keep calling me because they want me back in this tacky job. So, but Gus, if I can tell you about the tackiness of this job I'm working now, it's, it's astounding. I mean, it's. It's really, it's really metaphorically a plantation. Really. I close with that. Wow. Uh, I'm sad to hear about your, uh, you call it injury. Um, nobody wants to be injured uh, on the job or elsewhere, really, but especially not on the job. And then uh, to have to do surgery, like, man, that is... Uh, rough i hope everything comes out uh flawless uh that there are no you know unexpected hiccups as they say uh that you can heal promptly i don't know if you have to do uh physical therapy or anything but uh if you do hopefully that'll be super easy you can have a non-white person uh do the therapy if you have to do all that with and uh yeah so you'll be ready to roll and and feeling good and and no lasting ill effects from all of this but um i've said repeatedly like check the workers compensation uh from all that goes back to policy and procedure but workers compensation check that what happens if you're injured in the workplace uh for many jobs that will be included in the training when you begin uh orientation and such so ask questions and or be very mindful highlight and such 
uh, when they're going over this is what's supposed to happen this is who you talk to this is the procedure and blah 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 and all the rest of it uh, so that you you know are not seeing all this information for the first time if something should happen knock on wood hopefully you never need it um, but you know hey bravo in you know document he said to doing everything via email excellent now you have an electronic time stamped record of all of the correspondence what's supposed to happen what your you know your compensation is supposed to be and all the rest of it uh that is spectacular um yeah like i said you can just focus on uh getting yourself healed and you said at least i mean it's, it's tackiness abounds and it's the time of year for tackiness but it says you said it i think that at least the people on the job seem like they're trying to do the correct thing so hopefully that will continue um yeah in terms of documenting if if there's going to be some receipts or what have you document pictures uh and all the rest of it documenting the exact vehicle truck number and everything uh that you filled uh and he said he got his money promptly so i'm a big advocate of that and then asking if there's any question or you have any suspicions asking at the time if they're asking you to make this purchase when will i be compensated i'll get it at the end of the day okay or I'll, it'll be included on my check or whatever go ahead and ask the people from previous jobs that are nagging like i'm a big advocate i think as he said of of just no contact if you know you're not you know this is not going to happen i've come to a conclusion i am not returning there for any reason no amount of compensation or perks or whatever it is no contact you block their number even um you know if you really want to make sure that there's no uh accidental answer or a pickup or what have you um but i definitely would not go into any extra dialogue or anything it would be as little as possible uh, i just would not want uh a race soldier to and even some victims i just would not want to give them any extra information like what are you doing are you sleuthing trying to get information about my business so you can sabotage that and have me come crawling back and asking you for a job and then you see he's already got information oh i heard you're working over at such and such mm, yes mm. <laughs> we swap information about our negras like just all of that like this is going to be a very short conversation if i mistakenly answer when you called thanks for the offer i've moved on take care best of holidays cheers that's gonna I mean like 30 seconds and we're out of here because like if there's nothing to talk about if I've made up my mind it will triple your salary will quadruple your salary you name your salary if I already know it doesn't matter I'm not going back well then yeah we can make this 30 seconds and keep it pushing like yeah no no nothing to gain at all and he might be calling by as you said I like to be involved in my niggers lives see what they're up to give a little extra information even just being that we have some people hey some white people they enjoy that i like being able to call my niggers even when they're not at work call them on their day off and such hey i like to call some of my niggers even when they're no longer even working on this plantation anymore i still want to keep tabs on them that's my nigger block the number 30 seconds whoops oh hey ted how you doing nope can't reconsider and i'm a little busy now but i'll talk to you soon happy holidays cheers anywho uh 
I guess we'll hear we'll hear about the plantational aspect of it at all uh, later on. Uh, let's see. And the paperwork and such, I guess I'll say that really quick, too. Uh, for the folks that are entrepreneurs, bravo. I've always said uh, that is fantastic. Uh, whatever career or field, if you choose to open a business or what have you, fantastic. Just don't think that that's going to end white supremacy racism. It may improve things for you personally, help you mitigate some aspects of white supremacy racism. But white people, they still have lots of rules and regulations where you'll have to answer to them. And sometimes it'll be fine print rules, but it'll be lots where, you know, you'll have to (laughs) they still will have lots of say so about your your business and operations, even if you are so-called self-employed. Let's see other folks who dialed in. uh, If you have a hand up uh, commentary to share, lines should be open. Proceed. Hello. Greetings, our caller in Georgia. Hi, good evening, everyone. Thank you for taking my call. Hopefully, everyone's having the best evening they can have. Um, I guess about Elizabeth. Um, I was going to say Thanos, but that's not her name. But um, I had saw things about her before. This is the first time I heard that she could possibly be a victim of sexual harassment or whatever. The way they presented on TV and YouTube little packages about her, she was in charge. She's She was the head person. So I hope they haven't looked at those videos or those. Cause, well, I, well I, I guess for her sake. But um, I guess, you know, whatever with her, I don't think she's a victim of sexual harassment, but whatever. Um. With the reimbursement, um, I'm glad the person was able to keep their job. And, you know, like he said, the other things he did well came on time, did his job, did the other aspects well. Um, but you want to, of course, be mindful of that. Um, and anything, especially at the prior caller was an entrepreneur and the person before him, anything that you know you may have to do some work or exchange hands, Think of um, tax implications. I just say that because, you know, work at TurboTax. And, well, it's not only that I work there. I'm not saying call it TurboTax. But it's um, very important. Um, I know especially in trucking last tax season, I did a return for a trucker. The information was very, they gave them the report. I don't know who they contracted, but, but they gave them the report. But you had to kind of translate that report to tax categories. So if to the trucker, if that's what you do, I would ask, see if you can get a monthly report now and kind of learn how to translate that to categories. Because once January hits, it's going to be super busy. Um, you know, all everyone's trying to, get, you know, there are a lot of proactive people who start trying to get their taxes done. And that's not the time you want to figure out what to do. Um, if you can find someone now to get that started, you want to get that started. And just with employee reimbursement, you know, a lot of people, they, I would get um, questions, oh, can I get reimbursement? A lot of that went away um, under the prior administration. And um, so you need to be mindful. There are only a few positions where you can get reimbursed. You know, being a teacher, K through 12, 
is one. Now, some states, they will reimburse homeschooling. You have to look kind of into those things. So when you think about making um, decisions like that, you know, starting a business, homeschooling your kids, I know I am for that. I'm not a parent, but, you know, I believe you, you can, you know, go ahead and do that. Just look at those implications and the cost. Don't call people and ask, oh, can you get reimbursed? You're not a formal educator in the sense, so no, don't ask the IRS. They'll say you no. Know. Um, and if you have any other tax questions, I don't know, coming up, I can look them up. I'm not, I know how to look up things and find the law to help people out. I can do that because that's what, <laughs> that's what I do. That's what I do come tax season. That's my job. So, um, that's the advice I can provide and stay strong. Thank you. Much obliged caller in Georgia. Uh, great advice for our, uh, truck driver, uh, to see if he can start getting that information together now, as opposed to waiting for the heyday of, uh, tax season, which is right around the corner. Like January will be here before we know it. So. Yeah, if in the next 40 days or so, if you can maybe get a head start on it, that would be awesome. Uh, get a few extra nickels, maybe, hopefully, uh, once tax season rolls around uh, next year. Uh, but the but that's why with the compensation, I would get all that cleared up in advance so that there's no guesswork uh, so that you're not going into it, uh, doing something, making a purchase or whatever it is, thinking that you're going to be reimbursed and then that's not the case or there's you know lots of shucking and jiving uh, about it to go ahead and ask up front just to make sure and then do all the documenting and everything so that you've done everything at least on your part to make this happen as efficiently uh, as possible but that is awesome I don't know if we have any other folks if they're entrepreneurs or just trying to make sure that they have their tax information uh, correct if you have any uh, questions as we uh, encroach on 2000 22 drop us a line i guess you can either dial in uh via workplace racism or drop an email uh and might be able to get some assistance that is spectacular um yeah take advantage number is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943 pound uh our caller in georgia yes ma'am I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, I just want to say, I know I said it wasn't, um, a lot of those employee expenses were not reimbursable at the federal level, level but check some states. Mm. So like I said, I've done, so just because it doesn't happen, you may, it may happen at some states, because I had a, a customer who did something else, and at the federal level, it was no, but the state that they lived in, yes, they were able to get reimbursement. So, but do you want to wait for that? No, you just want to the goal is to get the money back right away. But if you don't, if you don't get it by December 31st, you know, keep the receipts. You know what state you live in. You can look it up and, you know, it's it's easier to find than you would think. But, you know, just be aware. Keep your receipts and take photos of your receipts. Like, uh, there's so many people, they take food uh, pictures of, of every 
cheeseburger and biscuit that they eat not cows listeners of course uh and all kinds of other goofiness like man all of those are like immediately like as soon as this anything work related and you're trying to get those nickels back like immediately don't wait until you get home like as soon as you get it hot from the register like bam photographs so that you have it you can even text it right away so they have that and then you still have the hard copy where you can do you know whatever you need to do with that too if they need to see that also but oh yeah all about picture and then hopefully you can go about efficiently getting your money as she said check even on a state level locally it might be a different answer where you can be reimbursed provided you have proper documentation pictures photograph all the rest of it save those receipts uh, let's see before I nab the other folks let me read some of our emails uh, this one uh, one of our female listeners she writes in uh, so last week's neutralizing workplace racism supports the urgent need for your program thank you for what you do do what we can uh, I understand why the teacher oh she's talking about young academic so he called in last week uh, black male teacher in the New England area he was talking about how the white women would like sabotage his efforts uh, through school uh, and now he's doing substitute teaching uh, we're still sabotage with this white woman he's an assistant for her right uh, so young academic wants to leave teaching I did leave teaching because students were considered passing with a 60 and lack of support from administration to make this short, once young academic receives his master's degree, he will be able to teach train adults. That's what I do now. And I love it. Exclamation exclamation point. Also, he can get certified in other states. I was certified in South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia and Illinois. So many future options are available once you earn your certification as an educator teaching is bigger than any of us although we are not respected as educators that'll come back up tomorrow compensatory calling our children need to see us in the role as an educator we have earned the right to stand before all children we have taken and have passed the required coursework and tests we earned the same state certification as any other educator. I hope this helps. Much obliged. We talked about that last week, but we talked about it for years, really, uh, with young academic uh, and talking about all of the terrorism uh, for black educators. Uh, I think I was kind of saying something in the same vein last week. He's in the New England area like is it possible? Is that something like I know not everybody is excited about relocating and especially with all the craziness right now. Uh, but is it possible, you know, you could look at doing this someplace else that also might be kind of daunting if that's, you know, looking at starting a brand new program in a whole nother region uh, from scratch. The time and expense of all that might be daunting. But uh, if, if, if there is a program where it would be more black people so that you would not just be. Uh, inundated with white women uh, throughout the procedure uh, where you could be around black people who would nourish uh, your academic goals uh, and then where you could actually teach maybe black students that might be something to kind of rekindle uh, that motivation to want to teach or not but I mean that's South Carolina is a long way from New England I get it uh, let's see much obliged the email again until justice at gmail.com 
other folks who dialed in, if you have commentary to share, line should be open. Hello. Good evening. Greetings, Irie in Louisiana. Hotep Sini and Sinetti. So I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I was going to not call in and listen, but I have a question. Hopefully somebody can answer. Uh, A friend of mine is, so she had a job that she was a uh, 1099 uh, employee, which is independent contractor. Um, She trained for a day and did a job, uh, did one day of work the next day. But then she ended up resigning because what they had her doing was not as described in the ad on Indeed or whatever. So she said she sent a few emails after that confirming that they received her uh, resignation and that she was, you know, disconnected, I guess, from their FTP uh, servers and stuff. And then she sent an email. No, and then they responded that they got all those emails, but then she sent an email about them rendering her payment by check. And then that's when she said a few hours later, she noticed that the email was um, kicked back to her as though she had been blocked. So I told her she should uh, report it to the Department of Labor. And I told her I'm also thinking that she should do it for where we are and then where the company was that she was working remotely from, well, the company she was working remotely for, their state as well. And I want to know if that's correct. Um, And then if so, is there a particular, uh, is there a particular thing she should report it as? Like, I know it's non-payment, but is it something else, uh, a legal term I just don't realize right now under, under labor laws? that she should invoke in her reporting. And um, the last comment I was going to make, I um, heard um, someone talking about the gentleman that was in school for teaching and someone else is a teacher. And I was uh, let down today. I was supposed to be doing a teaching position, art somewhere with um, kids middle school. And uh, I went to the center to survey the supplies they had, and the director of the program asked me what they absolutely needed for, like, I guess, two class sessions leading up to Christmas. And I told her respectfully, I said, everything that I supplied to you in the list. And she was like, well, you can't get everything on the list. I'm like, well, this is a legitimate art class. We're going to be learning drawing uh, with charcoal. We're going to be doing color theory. And, you know, I even explained the difference between tints and shades and how they need canvas to paint on in order to go through these processes of, you know, expanding the colors. And she was like, well, they can't just paint on paper. I'm like, no, that's too thin. And it'll it'll weep through. She was like, well, what about that 
sticker paper. What is it called? Cardstock. I'm like, okay, so you don't even have verse in art supplies per se. Like, you don't even know to name it cardstock. And I respectfully told her no, because it's going to weep through. It's just a, a refined piece of paper to be slightly thicker. Um, and then I also asked to see the area the kids would be working in, and I asked about her fire um, and active shooter protocols, if she could give it to me. And it took her aback. She was like, well, um, I know we have some. I don't know it. But um, I know we have some. I said, well, can you have that email to me um, today so I can go over it? And she was like, yeah. And then today I get an email saying that they have to go a different direction. And I'm not sure if it's because I said something about the art supplies being un, un what do they call it, unfudgeable or whatever. Not fudgeable. Um <sighs> I'm getting tongue twisted. I apologize. I'm not trying to use a metaphor. It's the F word when you can't negotiate it. And Gus, I'm sure you know it because you're like you're my dictionary reference at times. Unfathomable? By the way. Um, <laughs> it ain't that. It's okay, though. Believe me, this is what's going to happen. Tomorrow, in the compensatory calling, when I'm listening to headlines, the words are going to pop right into my head, and then I'll tell y'all, I'll, I'll press to be included and tell you. But it's an F word. I just did not want to negotiate the quality of the lesson for them with shoddy materials. I didn't ask for top shelf, but I did ask for, you know, meet me halfway. Um, but either way, they needed those specific things. And now I can't participate. And I don't know if it's because of the materials or me asking for their safety protocols because she really acted like she had a bot, like a reaction in her face and in her body because I asked for if she could like demonstrate what they do and then asked her to get a copy of it. So that's all I want to share. But the most important thing is my friend. Come on. It's not fathoming. Not fathoming. I'm going to tell you tomorrow. <laughs> Tell us tomorrow. Right on. Compensatory calling. We'll have something to look forward to. Unfeasible. That was what I was thinking. It's not feasible. Um, let's see. With the friend, the most important. I guess if that's most important. Um, hmm. If she's in a different state than the company that she works for, which is the case for a lot of folks now with all the remote working and things. Uh, I think you still would file in the place where the company is located unless I'm in error. And I certainly could be because this one, you know, gets kind of technical in terms of labor law. Um, my, I would think you would still need to file, though, in the place where the company is located. If we have any listeners who have any, you know, better expertise or better details you can let me know i'll do some sleuthing myself but i think you would have to file where the place is located for non-payment uh to try to remedy the situation i'm not sure yeah i don't know if uh filing locally i mean i guess just to see what they say but yeah if the company's not there i seriously doubt that the local jurisdiction would would be able to do much but i could be totally wrong um yeah, folks will have to let me let us know if they have any any better uh, ideas or information on that one uh, with regard to, I guess, the school situation for yourself. 
I don't know the demographics of the class. If this is going to be uh, a lot of black students, uh, if it was, that certainly may have been enough. Whatever word she used, if it's you're coming in and, and I'm trying to do like a high quality uh, art class for these students and we're not just going to get a couple colored pencils and some used grocery bags and just color on them like no we're going to get art supplies and the correct paper and brushes and all the red like what what's this nigger thing she is we just got these nigger children that she's talking about this is not even you know whatever she said this is not even going to work and then she has the odd uh, data what sort of emergency plan do you have in case there's an active shoot it's still what who is this nigger woman that could have been it too, even though my response was, man, Kyle Rittenhouse is free. We should all be making sure we're looking at the safety plan, right? Like, I mean, there's shootings every day. Outstanding. Like, how many people come in and are all about safety and, and making sure that they know what the protocol is? If there's an emergency, bam, this is what we're supposed to do. Like, even the art uh, instructor is serious about that. Like, that's awesome. I could see it. No, that is not all. Who is this Negro woman? She's trying to get all the art supplies and shooting drills and all the rest of it. Like, yeah, yeah, we're going a different direction. Yeah. That's what happens to thorough black people in the workplace. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, if you're going to do an art class, normally the art classes that I've been to and I've never been skilled at art or anything else. So it's not like I've been to major studios where they had every type of red you could think of and you know all the fanciest brushes and paper and all the rest of it but I mean they have supplies right for art class so she said they do have specific type of paper I'm ignorant too so I probably wouldn't have known you know cardstock or whatever um, but they do have different paper because the paint does leak you know all of that is, is what it's supposed to be if we're trying to encourage folks to Use their brain computer. Use your imagination. Learn some new skills. You know. Nah. Very, very typical in the system. But it, yeah, if we have any folks with information, like I said, I'll look myself. If anybody knows, like I said, they might be, maybe more of us should have this information. If you have some sort of problem, non-payment issue, you're working in a different state, different region from where the company is. Where do you uh, report? If folks have any other suggestions on that one, that would be good. Yeah, you know what, Gus? I was I was just thinking because um, I was I was thinking OSHA, but I think that has to do with with health and safety on the workplace. But um, I mean, wow, I, I would I would I, I would say maybe it can be a civil a civil situation. I mean, it's dealing with money, and if um. You know the person has uh, has um, emails and, and promise of payment. You know, I mean, I, I think the matter could be handled, and you know, and just you know, a local court. You know, you can just basically you know file a suit. You know, for you know, compensation unpaid. So you know, and that's, I mean, that'd be just simple as just going down, you know, to your local courthouse and just getting further information on that. So. You know, I, I would I would take steps there. I would say I would just start, you know, with your local courthouse and just see if you can file a suit that way. And, you know, by going down there, you know, most of the time people are very helpful. So they'll I think you will be led in the right direction by just, just going to your local court to file, um, you know, file a suit on your own. 
That's uh, Irie in Louisiana. Yeah, so as far as uh, pursuing it civilly, I did advise her. I said maybe you could send a notice of demand to their corporate address, you know, um, in case one way or another she has to go further saying, hey, I also gave them a certified notice of demand, which is something I know would hold up in court. But um, I, hmm. by them, the only concern is if she were to file a tort in in a court, they're out of state. So that means she still would have to file <laughs> where, like Louisiana, or would she do it where they are? You know what I'm saying? So even that is complicated. But you know, thank you, um, you know, for the idea. For sure. Right. No, if, if if I can add, I mean, just like mm-hmm. uh, you, because what happens is, you know, you'll you'll send you're, you're basically just sending a certified court letter to whatever is their address. So mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they'll so a lot of times just getting the official court letter, you know, basically summoning them to court will be enough to say, okay, just give them, you know, let's just give them, you know, give them the money. Um, I went through a situation that wasn't work related, but it was dealing with a lawyer who, Mm -hmm. um, I obtained and he wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. And just, um, you know, I went to the, I I think I went to the local bar association and they sent Mm -hmm. him a letter and he answered it right away and sent me my money. So just, just, just a simple, just a simple certified court letter will basically warranted response okay okay thank you thank you Gus. i know with uh if it's contacting your local courthouse i know here in seattle the courthouses have been uh closed greatly modified for almost two years now so you could do this over the phone like they've adjusted so much that you can and if she has a uh computer or phone even uh, they have like court assistants, court clerks and what have you, where you can just talk to them virtually online and they'll tell you like you can explain the situation or she can explain the situation. And if it's something where she can file it locally, like the victim in New Jersey was saying, and they'll just send a court letter to the corporate address, they'll let her know like this is the paperwork. And like here in Seattle, they would let you know, like this is the paperwork that you need to file. And then the form, you could just download it. Uh, on the computer right there, boom, 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 put in the mail and bang, all this could be done like tomorrow. Well, courthouse will probably be closed tomorrow, but I mean, it's the type of thing that if you can file it locally, it could be done tomorrow. And the same would apply for wherever this corporation, their headquarters is so much as virtual and everything. It could probably be the same thing where you could just call them locally and say, Oh, I have the address for this corporation, non-payment. I want to file, you know, small claims or whatever it is uh, for non-payment and you might be able to do the same thing where she could just file that online and uh, it might work as caller in New Jersey said just them getting a, a, a court letter uh, that she's serious about this and getting paid that might be enough to get them moving and get her payment especially if it's if we're not talking about thousands of dollars like oh yeah that might be enough to get this moving so she can get paid uh, let's see uh, if we have any other folks, if you have uh, suggestions 
uh, for any of the folks who dialed in thus far, uh, either dealing with situation we just heard about. Uh, if you're working in one location, companies at a different location, non-payment uh, type situation. Uh, if you have any thoughts for that, our caller who's talking about not being compensated or not being reimbursed. There we go. Not being reimbursed uh, once they've paid for some work related objects when they said that they're going to, you know, we got you. We'll pay you back. And now you got to fight tooth and nail to get your money back. Or if you have your own situation, feel free. The number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Can I be heard? Uh, oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. You go ahead. No, no. I just, I just wanted to add, and also when you, when you send that certified letter, it also will send you like a receipt of a notification that they got it. So that's the reason why you know you're, you're sending like certified letters. So just make sure whatever letter you send is certified, and once. The mail once the mail carrier or you know the, the mail uh, gets to this location, you'll get a notification that they got it. So you know, so they can't deny that they never got the letter, and they got the letter that you are demanding a payment. So anything you do, just make sure it's certified. Right on, um, which can be done through the post office. So. Yeah. Um, oh, that was uh, our Bay Area mom. Much obliged. Good to hear. And uh, much obliged on behalf of B in Toronto as well. Uh, I said I was able to check in with her. She was like, oh, yeah, Bay Area mom. Talk to me as well. Checked in to make sure I was doing well. Like, wow, right on. Yeah, thank you. Yay. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, she's great. Um, yeah, we talked for. For a bit, I, I don't know. What I, I think I, I think I was a little released, just a little. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, um, Irie. So I don't know about your friend. I I would think they would send a check uh, subsequently for what she did do. Um, if they if they don't, I don't know how long it's been, but if they don't, within maybe. You know, after the, the Thanksgiving holiday, then like uh, the gentleman, the gentleman that was speaking before stated, maybe can uh, do some kind of inexpensive court proceeding procedure. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, and then as far as buying the office supplies, and uh, they said they would reimburse you if you're still working there. Maybe you can go to uh, HR and let them know, give them your receipts again and let them know, you know, you want your money uh, or don't do it again because you might to get your money like, like right now. So just try it with human resource with your uh, receipt for your, the stuff that you purchased. That's just my suggestion for the other dilemma. Um, oh, Work has been for me, so uh, um, my supervisor, the Spanish-speaking white one, she uh, she popped in on the computer uh, yesterday. Yesterday was today's Friday. Yesterday, 
So um, yesterday, day before, re- this week. So <laughs> of course she's late. Always late. She's supposed to be there one time, then she gets there another time. Then of course she cuts it early. She doesn't stay for the uh, three hours. Um, so she's watching this boy. It's just like it's it's, it's watching her face on the computer. It looks like she's annoyed to have to have the luxury of sitting at home with her baby, feeding it, eating her food, and looking in the ceiling. It's as if it's a annoyance for her to have to do her job, even though she says she needs more hours. So that bothers me. It totally bothers me because you can look a little more engaged. You're just sitting there. You're at home. I'm in these possible corona-infested homes. You're at your home. So... Little boys all over She has no suggestions for any of this uh, um, extra activity that he's doing. She's your sessions look great. They look much better than before. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do look much better than before. Here so much. Yeah, I bet they do. So the little boy, he's very. He's not getting better. He's everything. It's it's it just seems like. Everything that you do, it's like he wants me to, or wants you to say, stop, no, don't. He wants you to do that so he can start laughing <laughs> and then run and do the same thing that you said, stop, don't do it. Because he knows you're not going to let him die. So, uh, <laughs> oh, dear. It's, 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 it's so hard to uh, run my program in a house full of adults. And it's like, let her, don't say nothing to him when she's here. Let her deal with it. No, 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 no. Because he's not really listening to me. He's laughing at me. And you can't see nothing but my eyes on him. <laughs> he's, not, he's not taking me seriously. <laughs> come on over here. Let's play. Come on. So he'll, so whatever I'm telling him no, for say, for instance, he'll go in his brother's room, jump off the bed, like climb onto the rail and jump off the bed. His grandmother lets him jump off her, the back of her headboard onto her bed, so he does that. Then he goes upstairs and tries it in his brother's room. So he's like, no, I'm not following you. So he wants me, when he's jumping on, when he's on the the frame of the bed, the like the post, the post of the bed, he wants me to hold my arms out and catch him so he can laugh so he can crawl back up and do it again. Oh, no. So... He keeps running back, so then I'll go sit down somewhere, so he'll get me dressed, cool me, so I can go stand there while he jumps off the bed and back, or at the pantry, and you know, off the rail, whatever. Just hey, come on up, come on over here, so you can catch me. I know you're gonna let me fall. So that's the energy. So nobody's saying that. So I say, hey, look, Granny, I need your help. I need to come and deal with this all day. No, I need, I need somebody. I need, I need you to stop watching this, and I need you to. Do something. Clear your thought on them because I need them to sit down. I got to run these dogs. I got this lady on the screen watching me. I need, I need you to help. Come on. Come on. Here. So Granny gets up. So now Mom's home, but Mom's mad because Mom don't want nobody saying nothing to her baby. So she got this little attitude. She, and then the Granny was like, yes, yeah, she, she needs my voice. It's a strong voice, and he'll listen. And so she, mm. She mean, uh-huh. So when Mom's saying something to him, he, he's laughing at her, too. So, but when Dad says something, it's Whole room. He's he start running to do whatever it is he got to do, sit down or whatever. I was like, oh, great, I'm going to need that. And in about 10 more minutes for two more hours. So nobody wants to help, though, but this is your child. So um, 
I have to keep getting grandma to help me get him to do whatever or not do whatever. So today was hectic because he's still jumping off of everything. So he's like, oh, yeah, you don't want to know I'm going to jump over the rail because they just let me do anything. I'm going to jump over the rail real quick because you can't really whoop me and say nothing to me. I'm going to jump over the rail. And you're going to catch me at something. You're going to do something or I'm just going to land down. So I let him jump. I, yeah. This is what you do. This is what so the mom. I said, well, he doesn't do that when you're not here. <laughs> not really, you know, because he's been working on it. He doesn't really do it when you're not here. I'm like, girl, okay. So I, I, I give up. So today, did I have a, no, it was yesterday. Okay, so the supervisor came on Wednesday. The other, the Spanish-speaking lady. So yesterday, the black supervisor came and overlapped with me in the morning. So she's telling me, Oh, I just want to um, tell you that uh, she's like, I'm going to vent to you real quick. I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks for So she said, uh, the Spanish-speaking white lady is going to take over this case. This, the company gave her back this case, so she's going to have the little boy, and they're giving her back the little girl that I just worked so hard. We worked so We worked so hard on this am four-year-old that just turned five on um, the 17th. We were so hard. Oh, God. So she's going to come back and be the supervisor after we did all this hard work to get her on some level. So the other supervisor, black lady, was agitated, very agitated. She said, they're taking seven of my cases away. They said, I'm out of region. They're going to replace it with seven more in my region. But what that means is these are all new cases that she has to go in and do, you know, she start all over with whatever their uh, program is. So I said, well, thank you for letting me know because I definitely will be quitting. And she said, okay. She said, me too. She said, I'll, I'll let you know before I leave. Uh, I leave around January. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to leave around February anyway. Uh, you know, I was trying to wait for everybody to turn five, but yeah, so I had, Filled out lots of applications uh, between yesterday and today as well. Uh, just, to, just to see what I'm working with. Um, like I told her, I'll, I'll divorce accordingly. You know, I'll give my two-week notice or whatever, but I'm not. I, 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 with all our complaints, like with all our weekly complaints, and then you have somebody do all the hard work for her, because she was blaming me because what this black supervisor was telling me yesterday is like she was blaming everything on me like it was me. And then she said that's why she had her come in and do my um, performance uh, uh, my performance evaluation. She had her do it. So she came in to do it since you're blaming me for everything. And then when she did the, uh, the um, performance evaluation, she couldn't do anything but because I mean, I, every all the goals, everything is met. She's, I just removed six goals that she's mastered yesterday. So everything that was put on there before I got there, I've mastered. Except for potty training, and um, I don't even know why that was on there. And even when she got on there, even though that was her potty training goal, I made, I was able to get her to do I do potty training goals with her. I have her sit on the pot for however long. She's not doing anything. I don't care. But at least I'm running the goal. And that wasn't happening at all. It wasn't even a thought. 
when she had the case. So she's, oh, you took her. She's so, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I took another lady. So now after we did all this work, and then she can't just blame me anymore because you're looking at it. You're looking at me doing this. So boom. So now with this little boy, I'm able to get him to do hard work. But just whatever the goals that she created, I'm able to get him to do it. He doesn't want to do it, but I'm able to get him to do it. Um, and so he was so great. He did it for me for her while she was watching us on the Zoom so or whatever this thing is. And um, so I'm like, say this. He's this. Like, All right, say that. And it's not this or that. It's whatever the goal is. And he'll look at the card and he'll say it. I'm like, All right, hussy. Excuse my whatever. See, I'm doing my stuff. You're not doing your stuff because I haven't seen you in three months. Supposed to be at this house. You live down the doggone street, lady. You live down the doggone street. It's nothing to zoom up to this house and bring some more material, but she doesn't. It's no big deal for me. So um, <laughs> that that totally bothered me. So even though the supervisor was just letting me know um, she was leaving too, I'm just like, hey, I, I don't blame you because she's like, I'm just tired of how this company's operating, and then we're doing all this stuff, and she didn't. They're not even um they're not even reprimanding her. It's just like, okay, well yeah, we, we're looking into it, we're looking at it and but nothing happens. And then she gets her cases back and probably more because I remember a couple of months ago she said she needed the hours, she needed more hours. So they're totally accommodating her and just shifting the black the black ones around to say, Okay, you well, you'll be okay. Just take these. And you're so good at what you do. Here, we got seven more for you. Knock this out. Do your magic on these seven that we're just going to give you. Even Steven. And I'm not dealing with this lady on two cases at all. So uh, I guess you'll tell the mom of the little girl today, the black supervisor, how, whatever, you know, you're going to have a new supervisor, which is the old, the original supervisor. And then thereafter, when I turn in my two-week notice, I'll let them know that I won't be there either because I don't have to deal with that and I don't have to deal with the little boy that I have to work so it's so hard working with this little boy with no one assisting even today I'm just nobody saying anything all you hear me say stop no don't do that no you can't hurt yourself no don't and you're <laughs> he's laughing everybody those all the mom dad in the house nobody's doing anything so I'm just I'm like well, I'm, I'm like you know what I'm not chasing you I'm gonna sit right here so you hear the bump until then mom gets up and she stands up by the stairs. I was like, well, he's upstairs somewhere. You're probably jumping off your son's bed because I'm not chasing him around. And um, he, I'm trying to keep him from jumping over the rail, but I can't. I mean, it's complicated to stop someone that's consistently doing it. And if there's no real help, because I can't really just let him hurt himself while I'm on. I'm responsible for him while I'm there. But this is your child. I don't, I mean... Oh, goodness. I, I don't know. I I, I wish him well, you know, with whatever they're going to do, but he's going to hurt himself. And every time I come, it's a scratch here, a nick or something. Oh, dear. And the tablet. So we're, uh, he's running around doing something, and they don't want him anywhere. They want him wherever I am. It's just like, hey, don't you have some work to do? Oh, is he on break? Well, you know he only has to sit at the table for one minute and then ten minutes to free play, one minute. Activity, 10 minutes replay. Yeah, he's on break. It's only a minute. Oh, 
All right, well, give him some cookies. Give him some chips. Give him what you want. Give him some Skittles. Give him, you know, some Skittles. He can give you Skittles? Yeah, he likes Skittles. Oh, Lord, that's why he's stepping. Man, he cookie. Because I'll make him use his words. I don't just give him anything. I'll just make him use his words. And he cookie. Oh, he said cookie? Oh, he's bad for cookie. No, but you're doggone it. Yeah. So you got to give us some. I don't see no cookies, so I'm gonna go do an activity <laughs> real quick. So mom got some Mrs. Field cookies in a bag because she didn't went to Mrs. Field. <laughs> so that's what I can because she's like, here, give them these. So it's like probably two big old Mrs. Field cookies. Well, big old for him uh, or so. And so I'm not gonna just give it to him. We you already do cookie crunch. So he. <laughs> That's how we got some goals, Randy. You know, eat, go for a cookie since you just free for all in here. So now they're trying to give him um, CBD oil. <laughs> like, so now they're giving him CBD drops. So he's just running hyena and all over the house. And they act like he only do it when I'm there, but I don't want to hear that foolishness. Grandma already told me he's off the, uh, off the chain. And uh, maybe that's a, a metaphor. He is out of control. In the house. Totally runs the house. Better not say nothing to this wonderful baby that I have with my husband that's in the home. So, it's a mess. He is totally animated. So, with the, the uh, CBD oil that they slipping in his milk, <laughs> it's real oil. So, I say, did you taste it, Mom? And she said, yeah, I taste it. I said, what did it taste like? We... <laughs> she said, no, it tastes like uh, like an oil base. It's, it's real oily. It don't really have any taste. But you can see it in his milk. So today, he took that cup and knocked that cup, that tainted, drug-infested cup, and wow, just oily milk. Go give me some fresh milk. So I was like, oh, you, you all done with the milk? Let me wipe it up real quick. I was like, hey, can we get a milk refill? Because he don't want none of that contaminated milk whatever. He know you put something in his milk and then he'll be looking too because now he know that she's putting whatever this little thing is, little dropper in his milk and apparently it costs money. So she, he had it last night and he was trying to open it. I had to run and get it because it's expensive. I said, so what is the goal of that? She's like, it's supposed to give him focus and calm him down. I said, oh, okay, well, hopefully let me know when that kick in. And you'll probably have to put that, put that in the juice or something so make sure he, I don't know. So uh, that's my um, workplace racism for the the week, and thank you for taking my call. Jinkies. Mm, mm, mm. When you play around with sex, the joke is on the offspring. I have no idea, like, where the studies are on the impact of CBD oil on newborns or what have you um maybe i missed that episode of 60 minutes um i guess one uh the super like we've heard this like for the duration of the whole rona crisis super lazy supervisor who annoyed with having to do some work like what in the world <laughs> I mean that is and we've heard that about so many different white people where just 
the laziness, the shiftlessness, not doing any work. She's talking about not updating the goals for these black clients uh, so that these children can do better and make some improvements. Just she's annoyed, like, oh, do I really have to be here? Uh, she said the one she lives right down the street from where some of the clients reside. Like you could have hopped right down here and checked in on them or updated, you know, whatever. Nah, nah, I got other things to do. <laughs> like what? And then, and then the cherry on top of it, I'm going to be a lazy white supervisor and then just blame the Negro workers. I it's her fault. She's lazy, shiftless, have to get on her all the time. She's the worst ever. Like, dang, really? I said consistently this sort of work environment where you have no support uh, from anybody like your supervisors, the clients that you work with, like just no support at all, like zero motivation to come in and do your best work uh, because it's just going to be sabotaged by everybody. It's not even possible for you to come in and do a good job like these can be some of the worst work environments. Uh, where you're not even, you know, like in terms of advancement or I'm learning something or growing my career, like none of that is possible. <laughs> like absolute worst environments. I'm so glad uh, to hear, like you said, like the, I guess the final straw uh, with, oh, well, man. We'll just move all this around like we've come in and done all this work you other black supervisors you all have come in and done all this work and helped get this child to advance some of their goals and what have you nah, 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 nah. we'll move all that around and that's also the type of thing when I think throwaway children like we're not even making moves with regards to staffing decisions and who these children are working with in terms of what's going to be in their best interest what's going to help them advance academically What's going to help them so that they're, you know, knocking off more of these speech goals and what have you? Nah, 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 nah. What am I going to enjoy for my schedule? Do I need more hours trying to save my money up? We got to go to Cancun this summer, get my money up. Like, and that sort of thing is widespread in terms of white women in education. Young academic was talking about that. I've experienced that personally uh, where it was white women. They were coming in and taking some of these jobs, working with black children in environments where there's going to be a lot of black students. They're not doing this because they have some sort of commitment to the Negro and they want to work against racism. Like, oh, I can do this and do a really slipshod job in working with these children and get my loans paid off or get something spiffy uh, on my resume or all kinds of things. If I want to go to grad school, get that paid for and advance my degree, like all kinds of ulterior motives, get that done. And then poof, gone, go do some teaching where I can make a lot of money at a nice private white institution. Very, very common. And again, the people who get shafted metaphor deliberately, black children and the black educators in this case um so i'm glad to hear if you know that's maybe the final straw and just kind of the tossing staff around and moving folks hither and yonder after they've done all the work bravo hopefully you'll be like i said before moved on to something better really really soon um and then sabotaged on all levels like working with these children you talked about some of the reckless behavior that seems greatly influenced by television i think i've been saying before if you're going to have offspring like no television in the house they cannot be running around with a tablet or cell phone or whatever at two one three four five uh but all this reckless behavior that's not really being mitigated and then you top that off with all this reckless food like 
cookies and Skittles and potato chips and all the rest of it. I mean, hey, I talked about being tubby for many years. I had my share and probably three or four other people's shares of all of the above. Skittles, cookies, all of that. It would be better to start without all of that, too. So much of that is advertised on television. You can't sit down in front of a television for 30 minutes without seeing all kind cookie. Even if you're watching Sesame Street, Cookie Monster and all the rest of it, potato chips. That's every other commercial Skittles. We just had Halloween. They had Skittles all out in the road there uh, just a couple days ago. It would be better to start where you don't have all of that. Let's start where we don't have all the uh, cavities. And in the book we read yesterday that we're reading right now, Countdown, about how all those chemicals and what sort of impact they have on the developing brain, your developing body, not to mention obesity and your immune system. It would be better to not start with any of that, much less to have a child who can barely speak and they're running around talking about cookie. Skittles and this is supposed to be time where I need to concentrate and focus and I'm going to gorge on all this sugar those Mrs. Fields cookies are huge like for I mean I don't even think a child needs like one of those Mrs. Fields cookies much less two really none like how about some fruit like get some grapes get some nectarines get an apple some blueberries figs anything like if you want something that's uh, got some, some pineapple, anything, mangoes. There's so many things that are in season. Pomegranates, they're in season in California. How about those? Like uh, lots of better things that we could be eating that would help with the concentration. If you, uh, having folks that are rowdy and they can't sit still, now I can't even do my job and sit here and try and work on some of your academic lessons because it's all of this. Like, uh, man, you are what your grandparents ate. We had that uh, author of that book on the program earlier this year. I feel for you. The frustration—I can fear, uh, hear it in your voice. Just the frustration with being in this sort of uh, environment where there's no support at all. The CBD oil is like a whole nother level. Like I would generally, you know, feel like, man, that's messed up. Like having a young child uh, eating all those unhealthy foods, and then on top of that, like, see, like, why? Like you asked, like, like what? What is the purpose of this? Is it supposed to make him calm down? How about just not giving him all this sugar? Maybe let's try that. What studies? I think of Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. Like, what laboratory did you go to to get the information that giving CBD oil to a child is going to be beneficial? Where did you get this information from? <laughs> like, I would like to know. And who sponsored this research? Who footed the bill for all of this? When you play around with sex, the joke is on the offspring. They had the report the book we read yesterday. He doesn't eat fruit. He doesn't eat fruit. No, he doesn't like fruit. His auntie said he would not touch fruit. His older brother likes fruit, but he does not eat fruit. He likes fruit flavor. Skittles. That's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. I mean, diabetes. We sit around and talk about that diabetes and hyper uh, attention deficit disorder and hyperactivity deficit disorder, my bad, and all that other, all these other problems that they talk about. Cavities, not to mention. Uh, and obesity, haven't they been saying that? The correlation between obesity and COVID 19. They have all these different issues that they talk about. Some of this could be mitigated. No skittles. 
which is advertised, by the way. I mean, hey, how can you sit there and watch those, skip the taste of the rainbow? How can you watch those commercials and then think that an orange or a nectarine is going to compare? Even the cotton candy grapes don't hold a candle to Skittles. I mean, come on. Lots of brain damage. Uh, that I could talk for a long time. Talk about tackiness. Television. The more you allow your child to watch television, the more of those bad food choices uh, are going to be much more prevalent. Uh, there's so much uh, of the poisonous food content is promoted heavily, particularly towards children. Uh, all of the content the, that's age that is gauged towards younger children. I just said Sesame Street. Isn't that Cookie Monster? That's been for decades. And then sweets and all the rest of it and Skittles, yeah. fruit, uh, Frosted Flakes. So... We watched Cookie Monster all day on this tablet um, for the past week. He's been watching Cookie Monster ABC. Yeah, okay. Okay, so he does stuff in the Cookie Monster voice. That's <laughs> <laughs> how he eats his cookies like Cookie Monster. You know, so that's how he, he eats his cookies. I have to break them in half. They get oh, into a hole. He's cramming that in his mouth like Cookie Monster. But I break them in pieces so he doesn't cram it in his mouth. Okay, I won't say another word. Mm, mm, mm. We or did we not read it? We didn't read it. We we read uh, "Stupid Talk, Crazy Talk" by Neil Postman, which is very good. But he wrote several books. He also wrote "Amusing Ourselves to Death." That right there, that one book, huge impact on Gus T. He talks about he has a whole chapter on context. I read that book the year that the context of white supremacy came into existence. One of the things that he talks about in that book, amusing ourselves to death, is that uh, children through Sesame Street and other television in general, uh, just it's not that they're learning about their ABCs in education. They're learning that this content, even if it's ABCs, it had better be entertaining when you teach it to me or when you show it to me. It better be funny and amusing. Cookie Monster, all of that and bad food choices. I mean talk about addiction to sugar and all that stuff to begin not that cookies need to be advertised but i mean man all over the place they advertise them too the keebler elves and everything else no television it's lots of things to talk about before conception getting rid of television and what your child is going to or making sure that your child is not consuming potato chips and cookies and skittles for their first few years of life. That should be one of the goals, in my opinion. If these folks are really on their job uh, at this company, like, my God, like, what their, their diet could be interfering with proper development and being able to get some of these goals accomplished. Let's get that out of here. Like, uh, anyway, plant-based diet, water, fruits, vegetables. That is so, so common and embarrassing. Like, what a disgrace a time on this planet where you have lots of children who become adults who think exactly the way we just heard fruits and vegetables I'm not going to eat fruits Ew. peaches Ew. watermelon Ew. grapes Ew. racist man racist woman responsible for that and you live in California how can that be possible like oh the cornucopia of food that's available like year round in California and Ew. where are the skittles at 
Anywho, much obliged, Bay Area Mom. Uh, other folks, if you uh, if we missed you totally, if you have suggestions on what we've heard thus far, uh, your own situation, line should be open uh, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Can I be heard? Uh, yes, sir. Greetings, caller in Ohio. How's it going, Gus? I was just calling to give a little advice to the person who was having the uh, issue with the 1099. Uh, they appear to reside in a different state in which the company they were doing the work for is. What I would suggest is find the state that the company that you're doing the work for is in and uh, go file a claim with that state attorney general office. A lot of companies don't want to hear from the state attorney general's office and the state attorney general's office generally gets in contact with them fairly quickly. So that, that'd be my suggestion, but that's all, that's all I wanted to comment on Sam. All right on much obliged caller in Ohio. I was thinking along the same lines, at least with regards to jurisdiction that I think this probably would have to be filed in the location where the, the corporate office is, uh, but the attorney general, uh, the state attorney general, like bang, that might work yeah. immediately, as he said. And I suspect that would be another one. Whoever that person is, that information is probably online uh, where you could go and get their phone number, email address, bam, whatever you need to do, lay it all out and proceed. And either one of those may have the exact impact that the call in New Jersey was talking about. We're just uh, getting a letter of inquiry from the state attorney general, or if it's, you know, you yeah. go to the state court office and file something, getting some sort of notification that they're inquiring about all this, that might be enough, especially since we're not talking about thousands of dollars here. I don't think that might be enough to get them moving to just go ahead and write their check or do direct deposit or whatever it is, compensate this young lady and you know, we can move forward with life, but that is a good one. And both of those easy online, like could be done probably on Monday. You could check online for state attorney general and then local court for wherever this corporation is. Uh, I've normally seen uh, people tend to respond quicker with a state attorney general uh, now, these th mine haven't involved an issue of payment from a, uh, I guess that would be a vendor that, that they're working for, being that they're 1099, which, you know, federal and state, I guess that means you're an independent contractor, which has its own, you know, laws and rules, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not going to speak on that aspect. But what I have seen is people who, businesses, I mean, I say people, but businesses that get that notice from the state attorney general, no matter where they're at in this country, no business wants to hear from the state attorney general's office because that usually means you're in trouble. You get what I'm saying? So the, uh, I think the effect that it would have, you're accurate, because that's what I've seen happen with dealing with companies that did things improperly for my grandparents when they were alive. Uh, as soon as they heard from the state attorney general, all of a sudden the phone rings and they want to uh, resolve the issue really quickly. So that's my bit of advice. Very logical. Much obliged, sir. And if I think she said, I read that her uh, cousin or friend that they already knew 
the location of where this place is, like the corporate organization or what have you. So that's something like you could get, you could find that like this weekend, like leisurely, you know, be eating cereal and be on your phone or tablet or whatever it is. And boop, okay, this is the state attorney general for this location. And boop, this is the county for the local courthouse for this location. Look at the website. Do they have this set up virtually where you can file the paperwork virtually and the state attorney general phone number, email available, maybe do both call leave a message send an email and then courthouse bam where all this stuff you could be set up over the weekend so that within an hour you could have all this done like monday get it matter of fact you can have all this done before the so-called holiday so that yeah you'd really be on it uh let's see much obliged our caller in Ohio. yes sir sorry about that um I wait, I wait for everybody to get there again. I just wanted to add something. Um, oh, he said he was going to wait. Have okay. you heard? Uh, yes, sir. We can hear you. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I guess the last um, couple of comments you made in regards to the food just really um, hit home for me because I I grew up on uh, just absolutely poison. I didn't start eating vegetables until I was like 27, and until I had like learned about racism and white supremacy, and I made uh, the really fatal error of um, getting access to my own um, program where I was able to um, uh, talk to um, young victims of racism, and um, I thought I was doing uh, them a, a savior by providing them with um things like natural valley bars and baked potato chips because I was highly confused and thought baked potato chips were less poisonous than regular potato chips. So, um, yeah, that, that, that just really um, to help for me. And, and with this new knowledge of uh, understanding racism and white supremacy, I'm able to, um, when I do that, my prayer, I want to help again, like, feed them healthy snacks like cuties, uh, tangerines, oranges, and smoothies and stuff. But yeah, I, I was that that just really hit home. I just grew up completely on the death producing diet and I just had to make that comment. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Few among us, you know, don't uh, or there, most of us, I'll say it that way. Most of us, I think, uh, grow up on what they call it sad, the standard American diet with all the fruit roll-ups and quarter pounders and Big Macs and French fries and potato chips and Skittles and chocolate chip cookies and Miss Fields and all the rest of it, chicken nuggets. Um, yeah, that's lots of, that would be exactly why obesity and diabetes and all the other health, high blood pressure. We talked about that earlier in the program too. That would go a long way, and lots and lots and lots of uh, ew strawberries, ew honeydew, ew. I don't want any of that. Skittles, very wise and cavities. I keep leaving that out. Like gee whiz, like that's the big one right there. They do all that griping and grousing about they got fluoride in the water, and people got all these cavities. And what are we gonna do? Stop eating Skittles. Stop eating cookies. Maybe get Cookie Monster off of Sesame Street. Maybe that would go a long way. People having much healthier smiles and teeth better able to chew their food uh, on into old age instead of having to worry about dentures and all the rest of it. 
just a thought process. Death in lots of, it said that that was in uh, the book that we're reading right now where they talk about food countdown uh, in terms of fertility and all the rest of it. What you eat is very important, even as a, particularly as a child, your body is still developing. Your brain computer is still developing. What you eat is critically uh, important. So just overloading on all that sugar and empty calories like, man, that's uh, setting you up for a lifetime of problems and bad eating habits uh, that for many people do not get corrected at all. Many of those foods are super addictive. Skittles, you can just go right there. And it's got all those uh, food colorings and dyes and all the rest of it. Who knows all the impact that that has on your health and brain functioning. Uh, Let's see. Other folks, uh, if you have commentary uh, you would like to share, star six one line should be open. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, good evening, Gus. Good evening, callers. Good evening, listeners. Um, I'm sorry for calling in so late, but I wanted to get um, everybody's insight on a particular issue. Um, my parent just passed away recently, and um, I want to know what a everybody's opinions or insights as far as sharing the information with your colleagues at work because and I know most people are familiar with the idea that once you share that information they'll take collections and um, share um, compensation with you if you're um, Looking, not 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 so much looking for that, but I I decided I decided not to share the information with the larger audience. I wanted to know how people have approached it, and um, with the death of a of a attempted family member. I'll meet my line. Thank you. Mm. Very sorry for your loss, sir. Um, that is. Uh, <coughs> definitely a tough one um and that then this is just me vgq we said that before victims guaranteed qualified for me personally um that's like such a, a personal uh intimate loss i would not want to like have a whole lot of discussions and chit chat with strangers and or race soldiers so i would probably be doing the same thing that you are in terms of not sharing um, the card would not entice me or something like all the tag we talk about tacky man uh, all the tacky things that they normally do like it's going to be a card from people who normally talk bad about you and have nigger jokes said every other day uh, or if they want to you know I don't know get you a Starbucks card or compensation or whatever it is like I'm not interested in any of that like uh, or even just to come to that how are you doing everything is all right you know, my door is always like, hey, yeah, 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 <laughs> let's, uh, let's just get on about our, our work day. So, yeah, I'm of the opinion I would not share <clears throat> um, any of that. If you need to take time off, I would just take my time off and, you know, be doing whatever it is I'm doing to myself. If, if somebody asks uh, just, you know, all the stress, the holidays and everything, just trying to get through it as best I can. Like, oh, OK, yeah, that's all the rest of us, too. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, I would not even probably even if I worked with all non-white people, it would probably be the same stance. Uh, these are not your friends. This is not your 
family, as they commonly say, um, these are strangers. Uh, unless, you know, you work with people where you have a rapport with these folks, where maybe they know your parents or you all are that close. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, I would just go about my business. If I need to take some time for just mental health and the whole grieving process, I would do so. But I would give them as little detail as possible. Uh, I guess it could be possible where someone could maybe read the paper. Right. That does still happen. So if they, you know, read the paper, if it's in the obituaries or whatever, and they see like, oh, man, so you see your dad, that, that type of a thing. If they come up and say something about it. Oh, thank you kindly. You know, we're just getting through it as best we can. And keep it pushing but i would i would not bring it up at all and i would even say that if it happens that way i would just say that that you know i would just prefer it would be best for me in this whole process to not you know have people bringing it up and you know i'm not interested in any sort of card or anything like that any sort of recognition just you know it's one of those things we knew it was coming and just trying to deal with it as best we can take care of the family and and hope everybody can uh can grieve and just get through this process with uh as as little hubbub as possible that's the way that i'd probably present it if they you know find out about all this on their own but no i would not share uh at all even with non-white people um other folks that are with us any thoughts if you have uh, a parent or someone who's like an immediate family member uh who transitions do you tell the folks at work or do you keep this to yourself and thoughts on why either way any other folks uh, I have seen. Go ahead. Go. Okay, no, Gus. I, I had a a cousin who passed away. Um, you know, was in the music industry in um, 2019. So it was, you know, it was a real big publicized death. But however, um, I just basically contacted. I just basically said I needed time off. There was a death in the family, and um, I, you know, I just I just kept it moving. You know, it was, you know, really nobody's business. You know, like you said, I, I mean, I mean, these these are people that I work with that don't really care about anything, any other aspect of my life. So why would they even care about that? So I only informed my employer I just needed three days off, uh, death in the family, and just, you know, just nothing there. Right on, victim uh, in New Jersey. Our uh, other caller, four seven nine seven. Yes, I was just going to say that I have seen that uh, when that has occurred, when somebody has announced uh, that there's been a death in the family and uh, wanted to receive some type of compensation in terms of uh, support or uh, financial support or emotional support, I have seen uh, an employer say to that person who is breathing again another person has died as if uh this person has um is is using deaths in their family to either get time off or some other form of compensation uh a very tacky way to uh respond uh to a, a person who is uh grieving over a death of a loved one i unfortunately I'm not surprised. Um, hey, this is the plantation. I think that's been said a few times today. This is the plantation. So, yeah, I, I'm not. I even remember one. We had a different cows listener who's also in New Jersey, no less. Go Rutgers. Uh, she said 
they I guess uh, it was a part of their the policy and procedure there uh, that for new employees, once you start until you get past the probation period and all the rest of it, it's no days off. Like no days off means no days off. I don't care what happens. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so a person death in the family. And I think it was, you know, parent like immediate family member. Someone died. Like, hey, no days off means no days off. So, yeah, <laughs> you have those type of situations. I can't even imagine that you go to report. I wouldn't care if it's like the most distant, distant coven cousin ever that I've never met. And this person passed away and, you know, I'm going to go be at the funeral or whatever. Uh, and I go to report that. I go, what? Another day? You're just killing all family members yourself. Trying to rob us out of a couple days. Like, are you serious? Keep it to myself. I was thinking, I don't even know if I would say death in the family. It would just need, it would just be, you know, family emergency or whatever the case is. Because that would be a family emergency. I would be as vague as possible uh, so that it, yeah. We don't need to have this discussion with anybody. And oh, thanks for your concern and blah blah blah. And your fake condolences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it moving. Uh, let's. Any other folks on uh, what they would do? Would you share? Not share uh, if you had death in the family, like immediate family member. Greetings to everyone. Uh, and I, I've, I've had, uh, a, uh, close family member, uh, to pass while I was working. Uh, it, I would have to have a very, a, a, a very close relationship with that coworker. Uh, and in my case, I did, uh, on the job that I, uh, did, uh, you can have close relationships because you have to have a level of trust with people, uh, when you're doing very dangerous work. And not only that, I also did counter racism work, what we identified as counter racism work off duty. So, uh, myself in a few other people had that type of uh, intimate relationships with, with each other. And uh, so it was known uh, when my uh, attempted father passed with those, with those guys. And they did uh, the traditional things that uh, uh, people do with uh, uh, a uh, the show supporting that that light, but uh, yeah, I would I wouldn't make it a public broadcast. Uh, the people the the people themselves would know because I would tell them personally, and uh, that's it. Yeah, that makes sense that makes sense yeah if we don't have that sort of bond uh where you know i might have to rescue you from a flaming building and that sort of thing like no we do not need to be going into all this uh dialogue about what's going down and my laws and all the rest of that. and the same rules would apply because sometimes with all that they don't just do the 
the card and you know a little donation basket or a Starbucks gift card sometimes we oh we baked you some banana buffins to get you through this tough time and are you serious <laughs> like in addition to grieving now nah, I gotta go sneak and throw these muffins in the dumpster so no um, yeah no need to share unless you have a rapport this is a non-white person victim of racism and you all have been cool for a, a long time and have some super trust uh, any other folks commentary on this one share yay 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 or nay at least all the folks that we heard from I would say mm-hmm, go ahead I, I would say if um, the, the victim is has an idea that the people would be receptive to that sort of information then to share, but if the victim is aware that um, those sort of um, incidents are, are not taking any sort of sincerity or, hey, this person needs some, some help, let's offer them some constructive help, then um, of course to, to not share. Because from my understanding and experience, any information given to race men or women and uh, other victims often becomes... Um, more of gossip, more ammunition for gossip than, um, hey, let's give this person some help. Mm, that is a good point as well. The gossip factor uh, in the workplace where, uh, I mean, maybe this is not your work environment. If you're in a work environment that is highly unusual, where you have a lot of victims who are really uh genuinely concerned about everybody's well-being and they don't do any gossiping they don't do any name calling they're about production of justice and treating people correctly and anything happens to anybody they are all for one one for all and fruit baskets and gift cards and you know let me come wash your car and anything else that we can do that's constructive to help you through all that if you're in that sort of environment right on share maybe they'll give you an extra week of you know vacation time or what have you they do have i think some such work environments like that so if you're in that sort of environment great share take advantage and you know get all the help that you can to get through that tough time but i mean lots of us we're on a plantation where exactly gossip that might just be one like oh man did you hear, you know, such and such, his uncle died, you know, he was the biggest drug dealer in Harlem, that type of thing where they've added all kinds of goofiness or make it some goofy murder <laughs> mystery and all the rest. You know, he died from a cocaine overdose. Mm -hmm. Gossip, 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 or that'll be used to impugn your credibility as an employee because you're grieving. So you couldn't possibly be in the running for a new promotion or that type of a thing. So. Just keep that in mind as well. That you're around people. What are the people around you that you work with? You see them gossiping, but you seem trying to help people on a regular basis. You can judge a lot just that right there. Anywho, uh, oof, we paid our three hours. Uh, folks have anything they can get in in like sixty seconds? Uh, we basically yeah, yeah, go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, real fast. I just wanted to add too. I just wanted quick advice. Being though that I'm have surgery, I may be out for a lengthy period of time. Like, what can I do to um, maintain my weight? What can, you know, being though that I won't be active after this knee surgery, that's one. 
And um, real fast, I just wanted to um, add into my experience. Um, once I injured my leg in this medical facility, I mean, it was just no regard for the fact that I was in pain. Um, I entered the facility grimacing, could barely walk. And the first thing the lady at the desk said, where's your mask? You know, I don't have a mask. I'm just being rushed in because I was injured. I was like, do you have a mask? This is a medical facility. No, I don't have a mask. Luckily, black male reached in his pocket, gave me a mask. Even when they put me on an x-ray table, it was just like no regard for the placement of my leg. Like, you know, I needed help lifting my leg. It was just, you know, I'm in utter pain with my leg hanging. And the guy just act like he didn't know what to do with my legs. And, you know, I'm just like, listen, help me move my leg on a table, please. I'm in pain. So that experience was um, very, very just, you know, just, just no consideration uh, for my condition uh, during that time. However, I was in a mall, and they have stations where they'll give you a mask in certain stores when you enter the mall. And, you know, so there was more regard for having a mask to give you to go shop than having a mask in a medical facility if you don't have one. So that was my experience. I'm not a Jeff Bezos fan, but I mean, hey, uh, Whole Foods is pretty close to where I reside. Whole Foods will give you a mask, two or three of them if you want. Like, uh, man, that's not a medical facility at all. That is stunning uh, that you can go someplace where they actually do x-rays and what have you and you don't have a mask. Are you serious? Man, uh, all I could tell black male privilege very standard even when going to get some sort of medical treatment when you've had a medical emergency you are still a dangerous threat potential spreader of disease and pestilence or just a general looter and mugger remember I forgot her name but it was a black female uh, the end of last year she got COVID-19 she was in the hospital and she said she was a victim of racism while she was in the hospital she ended up dying they came back and said she was intimidating she probably didn't have a mask on either I have to go and get her name uh, for the broadcast tomorrow it's been a year so I'm a victim but I do remember that incident happening last year after she uh, passed on the well, she, she was aggressive and angry typical negras anywho uh, we did our whole program we didn't even get all of the folks in I guess I need to maybe shorten the sound clips we have at the beginning or have to figure it out to make sure that we are not missing any folks but we did our three hours hopefully worthy of folks uh time and energy uh much obliged to be in every all the other folks uh workplace is influencing impacting your mental health in any way shape form take it super serious work on that exit strategy diligently and ask for help uh if that's talking to somebody else counseling constructive assistance that is nothing to play with things can go really bad really quick uh, once whatever is happening in the workplace starts coming home with you and eroding your sleep ability to eat correctly mental health in general take it seriously much obliged for the folks who tuned in this evening hope it
This service is provided in high depth. Access code accepted. There are 10 participants in the conference. Q&A session has started. The recording has started. Ah, got kicked out right when I was going to wrap things up. Uh, hopefully, the broadcast was worthy of your time and energy this Friday evening. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow for the compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, all of that said sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. We even heard that with the uh, Elizabeth Holmes case uh, where they said sometimes, or that was not that one. That was uh, the Activision case where they said sometimes they would, the workplace culture was so toxic uh, that they had uh, drinking at some of the workplace events. <laughs> sobriety always best in addition to being sober. Uh, if you're going to be out and about, it is about to be Christmas crazy. In addition to everything else, I'd be very alert. If you see someone being hostile and rowdy in public exit, uh, you should be thinking that this person could be armed. They may have an entire armed entourage. If you didn't leave your residence prepared to die and or kill exit. If you are going to be driving. You are buckled, sober, not on the cell phone, uh, just doing the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. All of that said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>